lust is on me, and tonight I strike the trail, and the morning sun will find me in the lovely Loman Vale. Then I'll hike it through Glen Valley, where the mountain breezes blow, and I'll drum up in the evening in the valley of Glencoe. Then swing along to a hiking song on the highway winding west, camping high island glens and dragon bends to meet the isle we love the best. There are people I can slumber till the dawn gives place to Welcome to Tales of the Eastland episode 115 and it's Monthly Madness and uh, yeah so we former Rovers midfielder John's Hull he'll uh, be joining us a little later on and we have our first Irish Daily Mirror journalist Paul O'Hare here so Paul uh, you're very welcome Thanks very much lads Unfortunately you don't get to see the famous Johnny Blues today it's out of action Yeah I feel like I'm missing out here uh, It's coming back soon uh, it's been uh, reborn so um, Again Yeah again yeah uh, so last month's show, our tattoo special, a bit of a forced, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've ever heard of anything like that before. I can't see Cam Murphy and Johnny Ward doing a <laughs> podcast as they're being tattooed, you know. It's Unfortunately not uh, a thing anymore either as well, which is a good listen every week, so uh, yeah, it's sad to hear that they're not going to be on the air. It was sad anymore. to hear, Paul, wasn't it? The greatest league in the world, our ending. Yeah, I, did. Like, I only saw Cam Murphy tweeting about it the other day, and don't know the reasons behind it I can mm. guess it's probably just FEI financial re- related but yeah you know it was a good show and I think any of the podcasts in fairness throughout the league just quite a few but a few good ones this one yeah. included but uh, yeah it's a shame to lose it it's funny that the amount like the amount of podcasts that there is in the league of Ireland and we're still kind of struggling to actually get a decent fan base in do you know what I mean as regards to other European leagues so there's, 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 like, there's quite a lot of podcasts and people who are willing to give their time to do it but in general the attendances mm. aren't fantastic do you know what I mean across the board in the League of Ireland and it's just something that it's a, it's a strange one isn't it I think I made the point a few months ago isn't it? I think I reckon some people listen to the, the podcast because it provides better coverage than Soccer Republic does 100% they the cut the commentary completely now that's probably a good thing considering Fabio was on it so I think we're happy enough if they listen to him enough and more <laughs> he did us a favour there but uh, the closing the closing Gion Prof from last yeah. time I think a couple of people got it yeah but, uh, people were a big fan of that one uh, just a side note Glenn Dunn had a listen back to our first show that we did at the start of last year that was uh, Mick Cairns and Robert Goggins the yeah. first part of the Tata special and you pointed out how good the predictions were you had the whack saying Love to win the cup. Which yeah. part did he say? Well, there, well, listen, he that's him every, anyway. <laughs> he said every day, but he said uh, there'll be last minute winners in front of the new new south stand. There certainly was. He said Cork will be brutal. So, a lot, lot of it was on yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah, Cork were brutal. The last minute yeah. winner was UCD, Jack. He got one. We had the European games. Yeah. We had a couple of others. So, we'll be asking Paul for his prediction today for the league table. So, we're going to listen back to this in a year's time. Yeah, lovely. And see yeah. if he's. You know, Nostradamus, Nostradamus or a fool. 
we do that we do that yeah. in the papers every year like yeah, yeah. journalists are always asked to name their uh, you know their their winners their champions their European yeah, yeah. Winners, their relegation I think you that. were the only person who picked Rovers first last season as I recall well the whole point of what I was meant yeah. to say is you literally forget about it a week after you've done it I have no <laughs> yeah, idea no, yeah. I actually genuinely have no idea so thanks for that I have no <laughs> idea who I predicted and you'll always the only person who'll ever ever grumble about those predictions in the papers are who, the manager or the players of whichever team you tip for relegation. They're the only ones you ever hear from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they'd have a little word. Oh, you'll see them at the league launch or you'll see them at this or that <laughs> or a game. They'd be like, oh, you were quick to write us. It's your motivation though right there. And a few of the lads, I don't think I did, but, a, but one or two papers or websites or whatever tipped, uh, tipped Bowes. Certainly one person tipped Bowes to be relegated and oh. Keith, Keith Long. I, I genuinely can't remember who it was. We'll find out who that is. We'll Long, Long. It, it possibly <laughs> was possibly a website, but Keith Long... Uh, Definitely used it in interviews with us after the first couple of games of the season. The motivation for the team as well, isn't it? Stick it up on the tactics board. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we used to have a little log, didn't we? We used to write down most yellows, most reds, most Mm. goals, most assists, player of the year, young player of the year. We used to predict literally everything and have a point system and everything. We could probably bring back, it was a bit of crack. Most reds, who would get most reds now? I don't know, I think it was Lee Grace last season. Yeah, top of your who, would you, who would you predict now for most rares in a season? It's tough. We haven't really got that kind of tough no. madman pers- persona, have we, in the team nowadays? Well, he'd be annoyed because he listens to uh, Joey. Maybe. Yeah, maybe Joey. Yeah, he's a bit tough. There's always potential for a bit of aggression from Bulger as well. Maybe but, so, yeah. But yeah. He's, I think he's kind of reined that in a little bit over it now that he's sort of older and wiser. Yeah, I don't know if he's got sent off for us yet, has he? No. We just has he just plays yeah. plays in that sort of on the edge yeah. at times. But like Davy Mack did, yeah. So a reminder to do our survey, we're only four away from our target of two hundred responses. So if you're listening to this and I still haven't done it, please take a few minutes. It's uh scroll down on our Facebook page and Riley Parsons and you'll find it. So just go on to our posted messages mm-hmm. and you'll see it there. It's been very helpful as regards to finding out if you actually like us or not. So it's doing. Yeah, it's doing. We always want to improve. And Paul, you're a fairly new listener yourself, so I trust you'll fill out that survey ASAP. I will do. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, a big thing for us is that we're on Spotify now as well. It uh, took us a while, but um, I don't know why we never really did it before. It was just we were kind of happy with SoundCloud, and it just never really occurred to us. Plus, mm-hmm. I I literally I I still buy like physical copies of music, and I only begrudgingly signed up for Spotify just before Christmas, and now. Now I can see what it was all about. I just never mm. wanted to. I liked buying music and being in touch with having the feel of it, opening it up, reading the booklet and things like that. But now, now you're gonna I'm have to. Uh, you're gonna. You, got, you were talking about greatest league in the world's yeah. podcast disappearing. You're gonna have to go into the LOI weekly realms of turning this into a TV show. That's, now, you know? that's something <laughs> that we initially spoke about. Faces say, for radio, though. Yeah, yeah like yeah, <laughs> like a year or two after it, we were gonna call it uh, Talk of the Terraces. We had we, the whole everything was all sorted, but like it's just so much involved in it. But it's great to see the guys doing that. Like it's it's definitely needed, one hundred percent. Considering they completely like cut um, LOE Weekly or sorry Soccer Republican half. Like mm-hmm. there was one consequence though, Gar, to uh, joining Spotify. Yeah, there was a bit of a, a, a Apple, war going on. Apple here, podcasts there? have apparently given us the boo. So we joined them for Spotify, and Apple have given us the boo. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough, lads. They just suck everything <laughs> off. Everything's gone. Everything go. is gone from Apple, so they're uh, being very petty about it. Yeah. Like a jilted lover. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, we'll move on now, and we're going to talk about the winning team in the George Bourne Memorial Quiz, featured Joey O'Brien. Big surprise there. He finally won a Roberts quiz. Yeah. Two runners up finishes in our quiz. So, um, Fergus McCormick, Peter Morphy, Shirley Morphy, and Donald Dome won by a point with a total of 53 points taken second. A tiebreaker. Greg Bulger's team with Dennis Donahue, Paul Donahue, Jer- Dutch Jerry, and Cormac O'Farrell. And, um, I was very suspicious of the third place team, Dugger, Aaron McAniff, and the Ultras. The Ultras, yeah. I reckon all sorts of cheating going on. <laughs> all sorts of cheating. Imagine cheating in the Roberts quiz. Uh, <laughs> did, uh, was, how about Juz's absolutely crazy questions? How many of them was there? I'd say he had. Oh. Some ridiculously hard questions. I couldn't attend this year, so I can't comment. But he usually throws out some some mad ones. Is he the quiz master? Is he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You'd have both presenting it and Joe's giving out some totally random, obscure questions. Like probably he only knows the answer to. It. <laughs> um, two thousand season tickets sold as of Sunday. So whoever buys the two thousand and twentieth ticket gets a free one. So uh, keep snapping them up and a big rise in members as well. Um, Rob Lavelle signed up for a membership on. The day of Cabo, Conor Foley's a member, Car Cairns a member, we have Sean Fields as a member, so a lot that's four in our individual little group that we have there. They're all brand new members, so we're flying with membership as well. Yeah. All you, signing up. Did you get the email from Stephen Bradley, I use in air quotes, uh, saying that we noticed we you haven't signed up for your for your new season ticket yet. Yeah, while I was looking at my season ticket. I know. <laughs> so not only do I not get it before Christmas. I, it, they rub salt in the wounds by the gaffer accusing me of not buying a ticket yeah, so Bradley giving you a goof not the best promotion in my opinion but there you go so as of today only 11 more days till our fourth league game of the season and the balls and the dark league games in February will be shown live on RTE the President's Cup won't be televised um, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing what do you think Bob what, good thing or a bad thing to not televise it don't know they have, might have done the first one don't think they've done it since. Yeah, I'll be honest, sorry, I haven't given that too much consideration. <laughs> There's not know. much interest no, like, as regards to like the league in general over yeah. Like yesterday, I was at a press conference yesterday, so today's what, Tuesday, mm. as we we're recording this, yesterday, Monday, Rovers had their launch, you know, their their new sponsor yep. launch, JD, and Bradley was talking to us about sort of the season starting, and he must have answered three or four questions by just saying, we're all focused on the Bowes game, Bowes game, Bowes yeah. game. And we sort of said to him, can we ask you about Sunday's game or where is that in your priority? And he just, you know, he said, you know, yeah, we'll, it's an, he did say it's another it's another cup to win and we'll go out and we'll try and win the game, but it wasn't, it wasn't, same. wasn't on his radar. I really, I got the impression well. it wasn't. Like, we'll go, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll support the way we always do, but you're not going to be broken hearted. Like. I think there's a natural excitement, not necessarily for non-Rovers and non-Dundalk fans. I think there's just... There's an excitement among those two sets of supporters for this game yeah. because it's kicking off. I don't know quite how widespread the rest of the league are really going to care about the weekend. Yeah. But certainly from a journalist's point of view, it's good to have a meaty game like that, even yeah. though it's a friendly. Because for the last four or five years, the President's Cup was always Dundalk and Cork City. Mm-hmm. And it got tiring at the end. You know, It got tiring. Yeah. For a meaty so. game. I like the way you said that. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, so um, Paul, give us your opinion, right? on having a derby on the opening day you think it's good or bad and second of all the decision to move it to a Saturday and if you have any inside info on why it was moved we'd appreciate it I don't actually have any inside info we have a couple of conspiracy theories but we'll give it, we'll give you them after your uh, opinion of having a derby on the opening day I, I genuinely don't know why it was moved um, 
I'm disappointed that it's been moved in a way. Mm. I think what two o'clock on a Saturday. I think it just mm. takes away from it. Um, Quite similar to Celtic and Rangers half twelve normally a kick off. And the league's well. already underway at that point. As well. Yeah, I just think I I know some people aren't too on board with the idea of Bowes Rovers on the first night of the season. It's happened before. Keith Long, I remember it was in Daily Mint a couple of years ago as well, wasn't it? I, um, I think mm. so. Yeah, there was yeah. a game in Daily Mint a couple of seasons, three or four season years ago. Season before last. Yeah, yeah right. talking the season. I remember Keith Long going off in a bit of a rant about it in terms of being able to build up to a game like that from a marketing point of view and commercial and sponsors and all that and mm. why have it straight off the bat but I think sure Bray or UCD first game you sell out mm. either way forced away game forced home game everybody sells out it's, yeah. it wouldn't have been a deliberate thing as well it's the fixture the computer. fixture computer as air calls say, again yeah. Our, um, who was who was a key fatty's uh, cup draw last time he didn't even <laughs> swirl the balls I'm still bitter about that <laughs> But the uh, I I think like there's plenty of factors to think about as regards to why it was moved. Can you remember the last time it was moved, Prof? Well, there were some Saturday Sunday games back in two thousand nine and ten. There was some draft. That, that was about draws. Euro, That was because of Euro games, though, wasn't it? Was it moved? I could not, be wrong. Not two thousand nine. But either way, moving it to a Saturday. Apparently, there's a new chief in town as regards to the Gardaí, and he wants to move it onto a Saturday because with history of trouble off the pitch. It's kind of always there. There always is a bit of trouble. And apparently they want to try something new. Stick it on a Saturday at 2 o'clock. And give these so-called guys the whole day then to do whatever they want. So I, I don't think it's... I don't, it doesn't suit me either. Obviously I'm going to be there anyway. But Saturday at 2. I don't yeah, know. I think it's great. It's it is. For purely selfish reasons, there was a gang of us. Um, one of our journalistic colleagues, David Snade. He's a great fella. Um, he's a Pats fan, but he's a great fella. <laughs> and uh, David Snade's stag is that weekend down at Cork. And oh, so lovely. Dave and his mates are going down the Friday and the Saturday. And myself and a few of the other journalists were going down just for the Saturday. And now we're not. Because the game's been moved. Yeah. So we're trying to persuade him to do something off the train in Houston train station on Sunday afternoon. So Happened to a few people actually they had plans on the Saturday. That's yeah. it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, it's 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 certainly putting people out, you know. I think it's laughable that they could actually quote security concerns when they release both sets of fans at the same time the down only the same fixture, lane. The only fixture that we can think of, right? We're up and down the country, go to every game. Can you think of any other fixture that they release us at the same time with such a flashpoint that is Doyle's Corner with his four four mm-hmm. massive roles that you can go in and out of town from and they release everybody at the same time. It's like they want it. It's like they want to justify the overtime for the guards by just hoping to some sort of clash. I wouldn't mind seeing a scenario down, you know, whereby one game each week or one game every fortnight, a big game, is plucked out of the Friday night fixtures and it's a standalone game, possibly say on a Thursday night or something, if yeah. it was going to get TV billing or whatever. Yeah, I like that, yeah. Like have a big Thursday night match Definitely. to kickstart the weekend, and it's guaranteed to be on TV. Like if, if, if Rovers Bowes was the opening night, bring it forward to Thursday night TV, brilliant, roll into the Friday, have your weekends free. I just think 2 o'clock on a Saturday for that game, while it will be a sellout, I just think it's a bit of a cop-out as well. It is, and here's here's another thing as well now, somebody mentioned this, on, on our Instagram they, they uh, DM'd us on Instagram and said do you think that we should contact the DDSL to get all games postponed and I thought to myself well that's quite drastic but he had a point mm. because you're going to have kids playing from 10 that morning up until 2 that day you've got a lot of managers that are involved 
are the Rovers young guys going to be playing on Saturdays? They are going to be playing. So that mm. counts out a couple of hundred other kids that could have went to the game. You know, that's what you have to think about as well. I know the, I know Daily Mount is um, is is the capacity is kind of capped, but it's you still have to think about all the kids that might want to go to the game and can't because they've made a decision now whether they want to play or whether they go mm. to the game as well. So that is another thing as well. Mm. Plus, another just another quick snippet, there was an All-Ireland meeting recently apparently and all the managers were there and somebody suggested... And Fabio. Yeah, sure he was in the background <laughs> somewhere, but they, somebody suggested that we go back to three o'clock kickoffs on a Sunday. I think he was escorted out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> three o'clock. We'll just go back to Martin Stadium then as well <laughs> while we're at it. I think Friday nights work, you know. I, I love them. Do. Friday night football it's has become a now. thing. It's yeah. become a thing. It's yeah. it's a tradition. As I said, I wouldn't. I'm not a, totally against the idea of a, of the big Thursday night game either. But Friday night for me works. You know, I know people have to come from work and get to games, but it seems to work. Mm-hmm. I don't think on Saturday or Sunday is going to do anything for crowds. Yeah, no, I'd be the exact opposite. I wouldn't be finishing and going. I'd be going to the game. They go as I work nights, and it, it, like it works. And I use winter weeks and spring weeks for away games to take the Friday night off. So straight home game straight into work it's like it's no problem at all. But Saturdays like it's kind of like if you have kids it could be your family day if you you could have something else to do. I think the whole if we did switch to let's say Saturday at three o'clock for all kickoffs I could I could throw the league into disarray. If it's going to be a Saturday though it's probably going to be night time seven o'clock. Yeah, but then if, again, if it happens. Yeah, but then again if you're looking at people who might have nights out with family and things like that and that's their weekend you know where mm-hmm. the lads have their Friday night and they're like okay it's not necessarily taking over the whole weekend with your wife your kids or whatever else other plans you have you know that's a discussion for another day but the shells finish prof finish away the shells now we're going to get Paul to give us his predictions now so oh. the final table for 2020 Premier Division right. I want you to give us one to ten in reverse order. So champions first or relegation first? Relegation first. Relegation. So first. that the club can hear this and then give out to you. <laughs> We're gonna give you an email. Pin out. it up on the Personal dressing room. Pro- profile, phone, phone number as well. Do I just rattle off the clubs here? Or do I do I have to well, explain say, my reasons? Say, I'll explain say it. Yeah, about each one, yeah. Right. Well, I was having a bit of. Um, I'm looking at my notebook here because I was doing this about an hour or so. Are you McDerrick Ferris esque? Yeah, the notebook. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at my. Oh, no uh, James Nolan. James <laughs> Nolan brought about a hundred pages. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, I was looking at my team to finish bottom, and I went initially with Finn Harps, and then I said, "That's just because that's what people do. They yeah, just, they just yeah, Finn Harps will struggle." <laughs> But I think there's a huge amount of value in their battling qualities and they know what it takes to be in a fight down there. And they've, some, they've made some decent signings like Dave Webster, uh, Ryan Connolly's back in football, Shane McElhenney, and they've signed this fella uh, as a Kosovar Sadiki from Hibs who there seemed to be a little bit of a fuss made of yeah. in terms of some of the Scottish papers and the fact that he was allowed to go. Um, somebody said to me recently, was Dave Webster kidnapped and just brought up to, brought up to <laughs> Bally Buffet? Does he actually realise where he is? But, you know, they're actually fairly... I don't know what sort of condition Ryan Connolly's in. I think he's been out of football for a little while. But, he had a really, really bad... Uh, something wrong with his toe. He nearly lost it at one stage. Yeah. And then he recovered. He was playing um, for Castlebar, possibly. And now he's just ready to make a step back in. So, it's, yeah. Uh, Carl Cairns, one of our regular listeners, would be delighted with that. He was a big Ryan Connolly <laughs> fan. <laughs> 
but Shane McElhenney as well. So look, they've made a few harps, have made a few decent signings. So for that, for on that basis, I've actually scratched out ten, right. and I've replaced them with eight. Right. So I'm kind of going in mad order here. So I've I've, I've gone for Waterford to be the team to go. Well, down. Back on Phil Harp, Ollie Harvard. That's that's another another guy who can pull it out of fire. He can just pull results out, and he's just a madman. So to have someone like that at the helm as well, I think there's definitely a big help. I think there's massive value in it because, as I was saying, the easy thing is just to say Harps will struggle, yeah. you know. But they actually have been down this road so many times before that they have the street smarts to be able to deal with this. Whereas a club like Waterford, who I have now put into tenth place, sorry, Alan, Alan Reynolds. <laughs> uh, Interesting. This one. Yeah, they've signed Kevin O'Connor alone. They've signed. They've Michael O'Connor. They've. Scott Allardyce who was at Bowes last year so they've signed a few I didn't know that one I didn't know they got Scott Allardyce he yeah. was actually you know, the only game I kind of really noticed him in was against Crumlin which I don't, I don't know if, it's, if that's saying much no offence to Crumlin he really he was really good in that I didn't. I thought he kind of settled in there yeah he took a time he took a bit of time to sort of break through at Bowes and didn't particularly go that well for him obviously they let him go but what I, I was reasonably impressed is that a step up or a step played. down in his eyes what do you think to Waterford yeah. I think it's a step back like yeah. because Rennie was Rennie was struggling for a team and only sort of decided that he was staying on and Lee Power sort of staying on as right. owner a matter of what four or five weeks ago so he's kind of piecing together a squad and they've lost a lot of players so I just think I could be proved wrong but I just think the Waterford after the kick and the guts that mm. they got from the European thing yeah. they've kind of just been in free fall ever since and I just think it's going to be a tough season for it's them. going to be a major turning point if yeah. we look back at this time in 10 years it's like what the rise of Waterford and then that decision but they didn't make Europe. Yeah. And they're probably just going to, going to decline now. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone for... I, I, so I've gone for Waterford to finish bottom. And then it's a toss-up for me between Harps and Cork City. Yeah, which for I for the... Do we still have a playoff? Do we? <laughs> we'll find out, won't I think we? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, coin this but I'm kind of torn between them because like Cork City have just been decimated, you know, like since Neil fans come in, there was everyone knew there was gonna be a load of those players were gonna leave and I was looking at it like in terms of the backbone of teams that would have won stuff there, Gerard Morrissey's still there, Alan Bennett's there as a player coach, Mark McNulty's there and he probably won't play because they've signed your man Liam Bosson. Um Darrow Connor had you know he went to Cork, haven't done particularly well at UCD, and I remember at one stage last year, I think it was after the Presidents Cup, Pat Dolan in his column in the Star column, the Irish Messi, and I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever I think recovered. They were playing him out of position as well, weren't they? Yeah, I don't think he's ever recovered from that, and he had a bad shoulder injury, and he just had a rough time of it, and the there was talk, there was talk of him going to Pats and stuff, but but Cork just have a load of young players, which you know isn't a bad thing in football at times, yeah. but they just have too many of them, and they're signing kind of a good few lads in from England on loan on short term deals and I just have this thing in my head that that just rarely works like yeah, you know in terms yeah. of mm. building a club I just think it could be a struggle for Cork this year and we'll keep going yeah of course, <laughs> okay. of course. Um, so that's the bottom three taken care of uh, then kind of top flight safety shells um, great to have shells back in fairness I think um, decent signings as well Carl Shepherds. how hungry is he still to, to sort of you know, still youngish as well. I mean, he's mm. late 20, 27, 28, maybe twenty nine. But I mean, this he's got a goal or two in him. Yeah, Gary Deegan is back. Um, at Shells, I always thought Gary was a good player. Him and Keegan were brilliant when in that partnership with Bowes. Yeah, they won the league, they were fantastic. Yeah, and he's had a really rough time of it, sort of illness wise and in- injury wise as well. Um, it's a bit of an ex robbers contingent there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah Luke, well, Luke Byrne yeah. killed off. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Brennan. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Oscar Brennan. So shells might be all right, you know. It'd be good to see if they, if they get fans back and you know good derbies. Yeah. Bradley was talking about it at the press conference yesterday. He was asked about shells being back, and he was just saying, "Look, it has to be a good thing for Dublin clubs. Yeah. Dublin rivalry. I and football know. in general, because derbies are derbies, aren't they? Yeah. There's a little bit more bite to them. Do you think? Do you, do you have any decent memories of? Rover shells derbies no to be honest not really I think it, they've it? never been competitive as far as we've been kind of following actively like I mean I'm what 2008 yeah. I do in the first place and they, they yeah. weren't they weren't like competitive so we kind of rolled over them most of the time well, they, first, they came back up again under Stephen Kenny they did not miss out of the cup though oh yeah they came back up again in Kenny's season and we beat them 4-0 and they scored this mad on goal is that the throw in yeah, and Skinner well, was it Skinner in goal? Yeah, no, I don't think it was a throw one. It was just a pass back. Completely fluffed it. And uh, keeper is sent off after five minutes. One <laughs> four nil. Massive crowd, five thousand. Yeah. And then as Gareth said, the knock sale the cup. Then after Kenny was sacked, Stephen Glass, Glass is yeah. only game in charge, wasn't it? Yeah. I I just I'd like to see the fans, the Shelburne fans, just coming <laughs> back and supporting their club this year because when they played Bows in the cup. This season or the season just gone. I can't. What, what round was that? Quarterfinals, maybe. Um, in Daly yeah. Mount, it was absolutely. It was a belter of a game. Three yeah. two to Bow. Bow's won it very late on. Um, but Shells, I think, were two 0 up in the game, mm. late enough on. And the only, the only team that I've seen in the away end at Daly Mount to have brought bigger fan, bigger size crowds, that season was Rovers. Yeah. Shells had a huge. Crowd. It looked great, didn't it? Actually, it, did. yeah. it looked fantastic, and the flares and everything. It was just. It was. It was. It was a proper away crowd. And it kind of just a little insight into, mm. you know, they could be back. What they could be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually finish our season at Tolka, so imagine a title decider. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, keep going. Well, um, yeah, I, I, this is slightly. I have um, so I have broken my notebook into little quarters here, and I have each club, and I have Sligo sixth, and I haven't written a single note. <laughs> <laughs> just cause then. Just yeah. They have just, a new yeah. kit. I think that's it. No yeah. Kit. It's I, TSVs. I mean, it's no disrespect to Sligo Rovers. I just I couldn't really think of anything massively interesting to say. <laughs> Romeo Parks is gone. Yeah. Um, have they signed their usual uh, cool named player yet? They usually have someone coming in, some Finn or some Estonian. I think they have signed. Oh, I think they have. Actually, yeah. I think they have. Derry made a couple of cool signings as well. Yeah. What was, what was that guy? I don't know who he signed for, but he has some mad name. Didn Sacramento. Oh yeah, there was that. There was that from uh, years ago. Or was no, that, he's, was that he's recently signed this season for somebody. Yeah, so Dylan Sacramento. It's the yeah. coolest name in the league right now. I think Buck, Liam Buckley was definitely finding his feet at Sligo Rovers for the last year or so, or whatever. Bit more pressure on them to maybe yeah, try and do something fine. about it this season, but um, they should be they should be fine. They should be safe. And then into the top half of the table, like there's nothing too original about some of this stuff. But Pats, I've put Pats for a fifth place finish. I think they were in around that again this season. Um, I just don't know where. I just I don't know <laughs> where they're at at the moment. If you know yeah. what I mean. Um, a lot of unknown elements. As yeah. Signings now. What we're hearing from the camps is that the guy Billy King is fantastic. Okay. So it's really good. Not sure about the Scotsman. Pat's friend of mine sent me a voice note yesterday saying, well, he's better than a certain Scottish striker you had for years. So he's been blocked <laughs> off that alone. But um, it's it's hard to see how O'Donnell's going to jump straight into it there because like it's it, it could say it's a similar situation to Bradley. Young, inexperienced manager who, well, he did, doesn't, doesn't have the youth set up there though as well because Bradley, Bradley was involved with the youth. Whereas you'd have... Um, O'Donnell has he any experience at all whatsoever managing? 
he managed one of the university teams up in Dundalk, maybe Dundalk IT or in the you know the college and universities league. Right, and that um, was while he was playing. Yeah, wait, while he wait. was playing with Dundalk in the last few years, yeah. Right, so uh, Taller's in the house. He's just came in, so he's. Uh, we're gonna finish off Paul's um, predictions, and um, and then when we get to the top two, maybe John can uh, tell us who he thinks can we'll, chime we'll in win the league. league. But we'll, we'll carry on with Paul for the moment. So yeah, we have Pats. We were we're talk- Pats. We're, yeah, we were talking about Pats. We were just saying we don't know what to expect from them this year. Like they've, you know, they've let players go. Reese McCabe's gone. Mikey Drennan's gone. They've brought in a whole load of lads. Robbie Benson included is probably the most I. You know, catching up them all. You've you've mentioned Billy King is supposed to be good. Stephen O'Donnell, new manager, has Alan Matthews in now with him as well. Um, he was on the board and he was involved anyway, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was kind of behind the scenes. Is that a case lo- of uh, Gill and Pert as regards to badges? wise is it? Does O'Donnell have the badges? Uh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, so that would the, be Alan Matthews' would, yeah. wouldn't it? Like that was the big thing at the end of last season. We were asking Stephen O'Donnell what you do after the whatever it is 60 days period yeah. race you know and I think he's got a, a license maybe so there was a way around but Alan was Alan was on the board of Pats Alan is a pro license holder so it ticks ticks the box so Alan's officially the gaffer and on paper you I don't say. know I think, I think his title is first team manager right and I think Stephen O'Donnell's title is head of uh, or head coach head coach, or, or head yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so like Benson's to, huge in my eyes that we had this we had this conversation about how much of a loss McGrath and Benson were to Dundalk. I think they're huge losses, and they've fair enough they've signed. We'll talk about Dundalk in a few minutes, but they've signed other players. But I think Benson's a huge loss. He's a turn there side for years, and he's still young and an excellent player. That's a brilliant sign for Pat's. Yeah, I think so. so yeah, yeah, superb. And he'd he'd have he'd have a very close relationship with Stephen O'Donnell because when they were at Dundalk together, they lived together. Ah, there, there was a gang, there was a gang of them in the house. There was John Mountney. There was. Uh, What's the Paddy Barrett? Uh, there was a few of them. Um, uh, Robbie Benson. That explains a lot, actually. So it? they all they they live together. They, they house shared in a house in Dundalk. So Robbie Robbie and Stevie would be very 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 happy. You know, the one thing Stephen O'Donnell has to kind of do this year, when he came in, he was very clear in terms of who he was signing, and there'd be lads at Pats like Brendan Clark, the goalkeeper, who'd be sort of seen as a Pats stalwart. Yeah. Who was more or less told from the outset preseason that he wasn't going to be. You know, he, he, he could leave if he wanted. He came in and just cleared house, didn't he? He did. He came in, he cleared the house, but a few of the players, like himself and uh, Simon Madden, I think they're under contract. They were digging their heels in. They're still there. May not be playing. So how does how does O'Donnell, you know, in terms that, of the yeah. harmony of what's going on at Pats? So they're an unknown quantity. That's why I've put them in as fifth place. Um, I stuck Bowes in fourth. Like they definitely have been punching above their weight for the last few seasons. Yeah, Derek Pender retirement is going to be. That's cool. huge for me. It is yeah. in terms of voice in the dressing room. Now the only thing is he's still at the club. He's right. he's uh, he's coaching at the club, so he's still going to be there behind the scenes, keeping Danny Mandro, uh, Dan Casey's back. Kieran Kelly's a good sign on the centre back from. Uh, I was surprised that the Pats let him go. I thought so he was well thought of. So I thought I saw him. Thought he was really good. Yeah, cause he sort of broke through last year and definitely turned a few heads. Very surprised that they let him go. Balls just seem to have a little bit of something about them, a bit of momentum. Whether it's enough for another European finish, fourth place is that, you know, that position yeah. that we all know it may or may not get you Europe. Uh, Derry, I've put Derry in as third. Um, Derry seemed to be seem to be back to a certain degree. Declan mm-hmm. Devine being a good appointment they had a good season last year they have to replace the goals because they've lost David Parkhouse who 
went back to Sheffield United and Celtic were supposed to be interested in really? him and now he's on loan at Stevenage I think it is right. the, the bottom side in League 2 Junior so, went to Israel yeah Junior he was, he was, he was great as well so yeah. between the two of them you know they were what top top goal scorer in the league last season Junior was yeah. Parkhouse was right up there but they've signed I'm just looking at the list here some international flair to some very cool signings now yeah, yeah. yeah Tim Nielsen Norwegian striker Walter uh, uh, Figueira who was at Waterford last year had been fairly highly regarded at Chelsea as a youth they've Connor Clifford Colin Horgan Connor McCormick who's been around the league and won things and then they've signed a couple of lads in the last week uh, fell on loan Danny Lupano from Hull and Musa Bakayoko who is an Ivory Coast under age international so definitely a little bit of flair there yeah it's good if you're a Derry fan you'd be excited this season you know and I was looking at that striker Tim Nielsen and that's the type of one I'd like to take a chance on because I think he got 30 goals in the second division in Norway and I mean it's like we were in we were in Bergen and the fourth division or premier division whatever you want to say it seems like it's a good standard 30 goals uh, is that worth a chance is that worth a punt of taking a 30 goal striker from Norwegian second division possibly is and plus he was on trial as well and he had a decent enough record so that type of unknown quantity I think is worth taking a punt on you like the excitement of it even if it turns out to be a flop yeah like certain like I mean Ogie we took we had our own flop last year but he hadn't had the record whereas Tim's has a record of scoring goals so that's, that's I think that's Ogie actually did have an okay record for the was it I where think that where was 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 not indoor with the small football <laughs> So, um, so before we so have the big reveal for Paul's top two, actually we'll be chatting to John. Give us your who will who will win the league and who will be runners up this year. Well, I think Rowers now this year got closer. Um, and momentum is a big thing. If you remember back to Cork, like they were be <coughs> behind them um, the dog for a few years. Mm. Then they went to win the cup. And the following year they went to win the double. Yeah, it stopped the four in a row. They stopped the four in a row, but like the, mm. because momentum is a big thing, you know, yeah, and yeah. the confidence seems to be. What you really see Rowers so far, like the last year, it seems to be building and building. It's kind of lead you at a high peak now, I think. You know, yeah. I think the expectation is to win the league this year. And I'd say it's within dressing room as well. I'd say they'd like to feel great after winning the cup. And if it's to replicate like what Cork did, you know, as well. Yeah, that's springboard. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, a big confidence builder. You're not saying you have to, that's confidence is a huge thing in football. Yeah. Bradley Bradley at the press conference yesterday was talking and he he, he said it the, the 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 day of the cup final win as well in the press conferences after about the importance of winning the cup because it gave those players a bit of know-how in actually knowing how to win something yeah. now and that that should never be underestimated yeah. the value of that should never be underestimated that it can really drive you on I just wonder in terms of the points differential over the last few seasons it is getting closer but 11 points last season is still 11 points. Now yeah. you can look at it in two ways. It's 11 points, which is a fairly big win of margin. Or you can look at it as three derby games against Bowes that you made a ball of. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't beat Dundalk. And if you can address those problems this year, then why not, you know? And I think the belief now that we were, in my opinion, I thought we were totally the better team in the cup final and we should have put them away in 90 minutes, that's going to be on their minds, especially when Dundalk comes to Tallet as well, because we we've had a terrible time with Dundalk coming to Tallet. Just can't seem to get a decent result, even though we play well. So that's something that we have to kind of improve on. But the derbies, once again, we just have to improve on them. We have to. It's about the mindset as well. And those, my one of my favorite performances in years was uh, the cup semi final, 
And I think the one nil at home where we finally beat them after a long period of time. We ground that one out. That we ground that one out, but the but the second one was such a professional and tactically astute performance. And Lee Grace had the best game of his Rob's career in my eyes, and we just boxed clever. I think Bradley that showed a lot for Bradley as he's grown as a coach for him to do that because every time we went to play balls, we tried to play football, tried to do a nice player from the back. That horror show on Daily Mount where Ethan Boyle tried to play it out and we gave away a penalty and we just didn't do it right. Whereas we boxed clever this time, we were clipping balls in the green, up in their half, and holding it up and working it in from there. It was just smart football because they press high and we just couldn't deal with them at that time. Because it, it definitely became a mindset thing for a while because um, just from a journalist's point of view, when, when be it Stephen Bradley in this instance or any other manager, when they come out after a match and on the record in an interview say it's it's their cup final, like I'm not doing my job if you don't turn that into a story. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's the same for the other journalists and that's just the way we operate. And it was a stick for everyone to be Bradley with for yeah. a while, be it Rovers fans, be it Bowes fans. And it definitely got into the mindset and as you say, there has been, a, you know, it, it, it seems to be shifting a little bit now, but it definitely was a mindset. And, you know, all this sort of Bowes fans and, it's, it, you know, Stephen Bradley, it's happened again. There was just something that didn't matter what they did on the day. You know, it was just it was just in their minds that this was think now it's changed. Like the players now beating them and well beating them in the semi final. Yeah, like, yeah. They know they're to beating them. It's just getting their heads to ride for the day. Yeah, you know. they know. I think they know what to do now, don't yeah, they, John? Yeah. They know how to operate. Yeah, well, derby games are the biggest games of the season really, for both clubs. You know, first ten minutes of them games, you just have to make sure you win your battles and get on. <laughs> yeah. and get on and right in front of the jury with your fifty-fifty. Heads, right, you know, the most drawers' heads are right. They'll win the game. They'll they'll win that. But their heads anyway down the, you know, and that's what happened over the last few years. You know, mm. we'll be asking you about a few derbies in the nineties yeah. later on. Don't worry. <laughs> so Paul, the big reveal. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be too popular. <laughs> Sorry to yeah. Open the door there, John. Yeah. Get out. Just, just in, it, for the reasons I was saying earlier on, just there, like it's a it's a it's a much tougher call to pick between Dundalk and Rovers for the title. I've gone for Dundalk. It's not going to be popular here, <laughs> but it's just based on that know-how of winning trophies. And yeah. They haven't they haven't changed that squad hasn't changed too much. Yes, they've lost Benson. They've brought in Greg Sloggett, who was a brilliant player for Derry City last year. Daryl Lee, a left back, like will challenge Dane Massey this year. They've brought in a couple of lads. Uh, will Will patching in from England, who got a bit of an injury, I think, away in Spain there at the weekend. New fellow, Kenny Smith, could be decent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they seem to like they've signed him on loan till the summer. Uh, he can play anywhere, sort of across the three behind the striker, and yeah. they seem pretty keen on him. And Finney Perth was saying the other day that. He wants to sign him permanently in the summer, right. but he's not going to yet until they see how he gets on. But for a manager to come out and say that we're already looking at a permanent signing with him if it goes well. And Andy Boyle as well, I think, could be a key player for Dundalk this year because when they signed Andy Boyle last year, he was a million miles off where he had been in terms of playing. Really played as well, didn't he? Yeah, he just, he just, in, just in terms of fitness and everything, <laughs> um, he, he just looked a shadow of him, his former self. Yeah. I do think, and certainly the, from what I've been hearing, over pre-season is that Andy Boyle looks look, looks as good as he's ever done yeah. and he could become a very big player for them but if Rovers can get their act together with, with Bowes and just overcome that mindset and actually take a couple of scalps when they meet Dundalk then I could be absolutely eating my words um, and yeah. like 11 point gap last year 
it could be it could go right down to the wire this year. It really could. If Rovers have their act together, it could go right down to the wire. And if they win it, I wouldn't be surprised. So I think that that first meeting could be really significant. It's only like four games in, isn't it? Rovers mm. at home to Dundalk. Yeah. We finally get that big home win over them. Yeah. I do think the psychological value of winning the cup is huge. I think it carries into this yeah. season. Just not so much Bradley talking about winning something and gives the players a new sense of focus that we're not just competing anymore, we're winning stuff. Mm-hmm. I think just in terms of the actual rivalry between the two teams, because this is the new rivalry now, it had been Dundalk Corp for so long, now it's Rovers Dundalk and this is the rivalry that everyone's expecting. And I just think I just think Rovers are going in the right direction. And we're just going to talk quickly about signings, I see you have a few notes there about um, our incomings and Dundalk's incomings. I think... Reese Marshall is going to be a big one for me now I haven't seen much of him he looked pretty good against Cabo Cabo who were getting totally stuck in by the way on Saturday they were clobbering our lads and we were giving everything it's pre-season like come on but they were getting stuck in he looked very good on the right looks to get forward Um, who else have we got coming who else we get Farooja is a new signer for me I'm going to say it now my prediction is that he'll be player of the year a pre-season under under the belts for Farooja and Berkey Farouja just has something special about him. I mean, that ability to dribble the way he can and hold onto the ball, it's it's rare. But he's it's Paddy McCart esque, you yeah. could say. It's You'll have to slot in for Cabo though for the first half of the season. Yeah, unfortunately, like three months out. Yeah, one of my favorite players last year was, was Sean Cabney. He could do it all. Yeah. I heard he's brilliant at the table tennis, snooker, pool, the whole lot. He's one of them. You know, he's just good at everything. He's an 8 out of 10 every week, but we're going to slot Farouja in there. Farouja's attacking prowess is just, it's it's off the charts for me. Even the little bit of magic he made against Cabo, set up Watts for a goal, it was fantastic. I was screaming at the shoot, took a little bit extra out of the ball, and he just, a little back heel off the Watts and Watts just curled it in. It was fantastic. And if we have anything to look forward to, it's Farouja for me. I remember the, the, the press conference that unveiled, uh, Stephen Kenny's press conference to unveil him as the Irish under 21s manager last this time or last last year whatever the first player that he name checked himself without being questioned in terms of he was asked something about are you looking you know what yeah. players are you looking forward to, to to work with and it wasn't just League of Ireland based players because we knew we'd pick them but anywhere and the first player he brought up totally unprompted was Neil Farouja yeah. and Farouja played in that first game the 21's first game against Luxembourg and then he, he scored didn't he yeah, yeah. And then obviously he had his, you know, all those injury problems. An awful time injury, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but like Kenny, Kenny really, really rates Neil Fridge. I know Bradley does too. But you're right. I think he's like a new signing this season. He could be fantastic. Just briefly on Dundalk again, because I was saying we we're going to listen back to the show in a year's time and see how good our predictions are. But do you think, like you mentioned, McNulty there for Cork, he probably won't get a game. He's like 39 now or something. Do you think Rogers is a potential weakness this season for Dundalk? Because he's made clangers in Europe. Just about 40 now, is he? I, I actually think Gary's... I think Gary, like, the Soccer Riders Association that I'm involved in, um, our profession, like, we we have a goalkeeper of the year awards. Gary won it this year. Um, I think deservedly so. I know Alan Manis had a, had a great season. I think Gary's actually playing... I know he's, he had, he'll probably admit himself that he had a couple of years. To, you know, the last couple of years, Mark McNulty pipped him to that particular award. Not yeah. that that's a gauge as such, but it's part of gauge. Um, I think Gary says now himself that he's playing better than he's ever played 
And I thought last year, I thought he backed it up a bit last year in terms of... He had a very good season. I thought he had a good yeah. season last year, yeah. A lot of clean sheets, I think. Mm. I think yeah. he matched the record. I think Alan O'Neill was congratulating him on matching the record, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be reading too much into Gary's age, you know, that, I know it's a boring cliche about keepers yeah. and they can play on, but like Gary's 38, I think. Yeah. And I, th- I think he's, yeah, I think he's, in, he's in, physically he's in great condition. I think with the signings that they've made, there's a couple of unknowns as well, the likes of patching, and I think, uh, like, can you say, Sean Murray, did he have a good season last Last year, I mean, as I as much so, as I yeah. saw him, I didn't think he really impressed. I think you could see he has ability, and the guy who takes the free kicks and the corners now usually has a bit about him. He didn't really impress. I think they took a bit of a chance. I think Lee, Lee's possibly overrated in my books. I think I probably preferred Lions. I thought Lions is a much better player for balls. Um, and he's a good footballer. Like he's yeah, he's good in the ball. He's it's, it's just I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they're found out eventually and I'm hoping that that winning mentality is gone and like winning is a habit there was a hint of desperation to my question I'm hoping I, I that they just lose lose it eventually because you've got Shields there I'm just hoping they get sick of winning that's that's, that's pretty much it but it will happen like you know it's, yeah. it's football cyclical as well like you know yeah. these things sort of I'm sure you've seen it oh yeah yeah it does it swings around a bit yeah Mm. We'll, uh, we'll just give you a quick summary of the friendlies in recent weeks so we played the, the Irish Army again and that was a 7-1 win it was a midweek game and there was a scoreless draw in Waterford on a Sunday and what was weird about that was Graeme Cummins our striker from last season played centre back with Sam Bone in that game I think you might be right about Waterford <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell and then you want to carry we on. We two play two friendlies on Saturday. We hoops beat Kevin Seedy three 0 at Tallow. I took that one in. And um, typical preseason freezing, uh, good workout and three uh, 0 Graham Bourke, Cole and Murchioman, and Dylan Watts. Young Cole looks very good. Seventeen year old. He's about six six. Um, big big huge guy. Scored. I think I think Bourke, he took a shot and a hit off him. But uh, yeah, he looks very good. A couple of young guys playing as well. I think Reese Nelson. Or I, I might be getting the name wrong, but there's a couple of very young guys playing as well, and uh, it was a good workout. Uh, Will Longbottom, a 21 year old striker from Doncaster, trial with us against Cabo. Four appearances with Doncaster a couple of years back, and long to non league teams at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of mixed for parts in his performance. Yeah, he played quite similarly to Aaron Green. You know, he was dropping deep and looking to get others involved. He, he was trying. It was like he was trying too hard. He's trying a couple of flicks and step overs. I heard he read like a mess up an open goal. Though. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's one game. Can't judge him off one game. He's gonna have to get. I mean, how many games did Dan Carr play in in a try in try on try? I think he played about five before we actually made a decision on him. And that you could call that a success story as regards the trialists being signed. He did change the game against uh, Brand. Or sorry, Apollon no, when Cibrits. he came on. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. So but then. Later that day, we won one nil in Galway. Thanks for Brandon Kevin a goal. Yeah. So yeah, did you see it? it was on Twitter? He no, struck a free kick, came back off the wall, and straight on the volley in the top corner. So it was a nice, nice strike. And um, yeah, so the B team, the Ferrari, the uh, the yeah. elephant in the room for the last <laughs> couple of months now. And I'll be honest, like this is there's real hatred there. Like, I mean, there's a guy who drives in the job and he's very very closely involved with Drogheda and I wind him up every so often like there's a window between our canteen and the walkway so I'll be walking boy and I'll be going we're going to do the double first division and the Premier League and he'll be there going you're fucker and he's, he's getting really animated about it. he's like you're not getting in you're not getting in so we have to have this debate 
Club licenses will be announced on Thursday, so maybe by the time you're all listening to this, if Limerick are granted a license, it'll be an 11 team league with two rounds of games and a shield. So that means the bus that we have we're running for the Longford game on the 22nd means it's not going to happen. It's going to be a different game because we're not down to play that week, are we? Well, we have this farcical situation of two fixture lists, yeah, two different fixture lists. So it's crazy. Paul, you've been covering this story from the beginning, so what are you expecting to happen on Thursday? I think what most people are expecting to happen is that Limerick won't get a licence. Um, are most people expecting that, yeah? They're, they're in bits, are they? No, like nobody, nobody knows for certain. I'm not, I, I, from what I can gather, Limerick FC, as it exists at the moment, are going around trying to recruit some players locally in Limerick. Um, just the way that things went with the club, uh, the suggestion is that they probably won't, but the licensing committee are independent. It's a close. I didn't shot. know that. No. Well, it's, it's it's kind of the FEI's independent licensing committee. It, it's so kind they're of not it, independent. If I was if I was a betting man, I'd probably say that Limerick won't get in. But sure, look, it's the league for Ireland. Anything could happen. Yeah, like exactly. the money might arrive. Yeah, but like the first yeah. of it. Yeah, the first Brown of it. Bag. <laughs> <laughs> The first division clubs. You sound like a talker from experience, John. <laughs> <laughs> the first division clubs are bullying over this, like you know. It's insane, isn't it? They yeah. just really, from what I heard, I heard there was an email <laughs> and it was sent into the FAO and it gave them three options and something along the lines of right, well, here's what's going to happen: it's either no rovers, or the nine clubs get a vote, which meant no rovers, or that they all play in the league and just don't play rowers mm. to row B and that's yeah. the pretty much manifesto that they put to the FEI and yet yesterday at the rowers press conference which was to announce the new sponsors you know JD um, and they put up Stephen Bradley and, and Jack Bourne but we as media wanted to speak to the club about this first division mess and Stephen Bradley was asked about it but he said in fairness lads I don't really want to talk about it because it's not going to be my team Yeah, Jonathan Roach was hovering around the chairman so we said Jonathan will you speak now we'd kind of been made aware that maybe he would speak to us yeah. about it once all the sponsorship stuff was all done and dusted that Jonathan would speak to us and that's primarily the story that got focused in today's paper but it was basically for anyone who hasn't seen the story it was basically just Shamrock Rovers chairman Jonathan Roach saying we're not backing down. We're doing this for the right reasons. Player development. He was claiming it'll cost the club money. It'll cost in and around 100 grand to run the team in the first division. Yeah. That they're not going to make any money off it, but that it's to do with player pathway. <coughs> and it's to give, because there's a drop-off after the under-19s leagues in terms of uh, you know where, where the players go next. So that's the way... The graveyard, as we call it, on this show. It's, there's nothing for them. It's yeah. like literally, and Brad just spoke about it as well. Like If you... Let's say those young guys who are just on the verge of leaving the 19s, they've, they've nowhere else to play. They might not get picked up by an NCAA senior league team. They might not get picked up by a fourth division or another Premier League team. There's nowhere for them to play. So mm. we're giving them that extra couple of months to play men's football in a competitive league at a good level. That's all Rovers want to do. All the other teams are jumping on board saying they don't want it. They think it's a different reason. It's not. That's all we want. Player development mm. pathway just so we can well, start developing our young guys one of their reasons was I thought this is the quote that jumped out for me most in your piece with Jonathan Roach he says do other clubs seriously think that we're going to play a first team international or ex-international players just to beat X team that's not a serious argument yeah so I mean do other clubs seriously think that like that UCD will be playing Drada and both teams are going for a promotion on the last day and Rovers will throw in 
Jack Byrne against one of them, <laughs> and he'll be man the match and cost them the league. Like that's well, that's one of their arguments, yeah. Because Rovers' first team will be allowed, as he's now have three, up to three outfield players and also a goalkeeper that they can play from the first team squad in the first division squad. But I'd say we could tell you right now who that'd be. It's gonna yeah. be Brandon Cavanagh, Dean Williams, Thomas Alua, Sean Callan, Leon Pauls. Yeah. King Clark those between that pool of players that's your look I've got a problem here at the, the end of the 2014 season when we had the B team and I could show you what first team players played that season and the likes of Carl Shepard and all would have played just once Yeah, and the rest would have been players around the fringes probably just coming back from an injury as well Yeah, like Sean Cavanagh if he's out for three months he'll probably get a game or two yeah. in that league Exactly, and he'd be probably considered a fairly high profile first team squad member to be playing in that and I guess that's that's it's in the participation agreement, you know, with the League of Ireland clubs sign up to. I think one of the issues that some of the clubs have is just the sort of almost moral sort of uh, where's your moral compass and all of this in terms of Rovers are signing up to this, they're perfectly entitled to in terms of the participation agreement. If they get a license, they're allowed to enter a team, yet they won't. Uh, they can't be promoted and they can't play in the cup competitions. Hmm. So why give a license to a club that won't accept promotion Some, a UCD fan twi- um, sent me a message on Twitter highlighting this today and it actually made me think because I hadn't actually kind of thought about that like why accept a club into the second tier when they can't be promoted or they, they've no interest in being promoted or they can't play in the cup competitions you know does it devalue the first division I probably think it does to be honest that's, that's, that's the word that's being does, used yeah. isn't it devalue it's crying out to go back yeah. to the other B league again yeah It'd be great for when that. I started playing like the B League was her for mostly all the kids. Well, you know, I'd say mm-hmm. you left your school by league, right in, and you were playing with say three or four or five or six first team players weren't getting a the game. They come down, they play, and it was a mixture of that. You know, it's pretty much yeah. reserves, wasn't it? it was the reserve league. That's yeah. what it was. It was the B League, it was reserve league, and like it was a great league. Then we had the A Championship as well, mm-hmm. didn't we? Did you bring that back? The age championship that was the modern version yeah. of, of what John would have played in, in the yeah, 80s, yeah. but that's been gone years. Yeah, and there are some people who are seem to be quite open to bringing something like that back. The big thing for me is that it has to be free. Just don't, don't, pay, don't let the clubs have to pay, to pay to play in it. Like that's, why not? I mean, why should... like The FAI have done enough bad things in the last couple of years. Just let's try and develop the game now mm. and play that it's not at a cost to the clubs. And give them that. Give them that one thing. Like I think they should. As you said earlier, I mean, you finish under nineteen football. What do these fellas do? Like some fellas don't. Some, some stop playing, John. They might just even stop. You lose them to the game. Yeah, I mean, there's some fellas still mature, and then you know, yeah. twenty years of age. Where do you go? So, like, to me, it's stupid. Like not yeah. having a, a B league or a reserve mm. league. You know. The other thing on it as well is in terms of, and this is again something we were talking to Jonathan Roach about yesterday, was the other first division clubs who were all. United in their sort of their, you know, they don't want this. They don't want Rovers two or Rovers B in the first. Division. Hatred is the word. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, this threat of a boycott, right? Boycotting Rovers two games, or they've said, you know, I did a story on it last week that I don't think anyone's going to do this, but that it was discussed among the clubs about a mass withdrawal of the league on the back of this. Now I don't think that's going to happen. But in terms of the boycott, you talk to some of the clubs, first division clubs off the record, and they'll say, most of them will say, yeah, you know, we're, we do we do intend boycotting Rovers two games. Now, this was probably a week ago, so things might have changed. Mm-hmm. One or two of the clubs are kind of lukewarm on that sort of type of 
Okay. That type of action. Hmm. Um, but my question, or what I'm interested in to see, is say Longford Town on the first night of the season. That's who Rovers are playing, isn't it? Yeah. So if Longford boycott that game and say whoever they're playing the next week and the next week all boycott the game, when you come to week 12 of the season, is everyone going to be consistent in the boycotting of it? You know? And will we have we'll all be three awarded three wins? It's just set records. But like the League of Ireland launch, the official League of Ireland launch is tomorrow, Wednesday. And you're going to that from a work point of view and you're going to interview all the players and the managers and nobody has any idea until the following day on Thursday who's going to be in the first division. Like. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. Well, we just got a quick, um, launch, yeah. a quick quote from Rochi himself and he says, we can't win the league, what we were just speaking about, speaking about there. We can't win the league without being promoted and we want to, but do other clubs seriously think that they're going to play a fourth team international or ex-international players just to beat X or Y team? So it's not a serious argument, it's a team to develop our players. The majority of the squad will be 21s, 19s and 17s. So you're looking at the likes of Alex Dunn and uh, Sinclair Armstrong, all these young internationals who are going to be getting a shot at that. Mm. And that's... Um, possibly it, that maybe that's another reason why people don't want it as well because it's it's, it's a better way of developing our young players who are going to be in the Orleans setup as well because we've got a rake of players in the Orleans mm-hmm. setup as well. We were going to talk a little bit about, about the FEI, but uh, I think it would take too long, so we're yeah, just going to skim take, over. Take too long, and I think, <laughs> I think you'd have people tuning out because while it is a massive story, it can be incredibly boring as yeah. well. Like, yeah. Plus, so, uh, I mean, you'd have. The the FAI mess. I mean, it. I don't like. There's three former board members back involved now, isn't there? Um, and you've got like the first decision we were talking about this offer that uh, Noel Quinn would have to make is whether or not to allow Rovers B team in. As regards to the League of Ireland, I'm sure he's got a lot more on his plate. So we're gonna leave the FAI mess for another day. And uh, just before we move on, actually, just want to thank everybody who took part in the hike for Jay, uh, one of the guys that stood in the south stand with us, 22, he passed away a couple of weeks ago, so we did a big uh, whip around from, ended up raising 1,500 quid, so thanks to everybody, the likes of the Dublin Parcel Hub, Intel, the players donated, absolutely everybody who donated through Revolut in every way possible, went to the Blue Light afterwards, had a fantastic night and day and overall, and just so you know that the... The whole stigma surrounding football fans being unfit is totally true. <laughs> we were an absolute mess all, all the way up and all the way down, but it was a great day. And um, yeah, just a thanks to everybody that donated. So we're going to move on now and welcome Toller, John. John Toll and uh, John, you're very welcome Thank onto you. the show. And we're going to talk about the President's Cup. It's final on Sunday at Oriel Park and the competition as it is now began in 2014. So Cork have won it three times, Dundalk twice and Pats once. And uh, do you like it as a curtain raiser or do you think there's no importance really? Um, it's, a, it's Dundalk and Rovers. Mm. So it's going, to be, it's going to be something, no matter what it is, if it's a friendly match, there'll be something at stake. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the week before the league starts, definitely going to be something at stake yeah be a bit of grudge there's no doubt about it mm. I have a pop quiz for you John right? pop quiz yeah there's the music uh, <laughs> no, who was the last Rowers player to score a goal in the old President's Cup so this was, was when it was under the auspices of the Leinster FA well I won the President's Cup with Rowers up in Narnia Park in oh. 1987 right that'd be right but it's not about who won though, it's about who scored uh, the last goal in the final. Yeah, well, it's just, uh, 
Give me a clue. Don't say it was me. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> Against Ball was a day mount in 1994. We lost 2 1. Really? Yeah. Obviously, obviously you erased it from your mind, did yeah, you? Yeah. I remember. I remember yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so this is not actually a random pairing today, Paul and John, because Paul's earliest memories of following the hoops were when he was around 13 or 14 in the old RDS days. And he told me that John was one of his favourite players. So that's the reason I brought here today. So cast your mind back to that time, Paul. Yeah, um, I suppose it's, yeah, there's always something weird about um, journalists sort of being outed as fans of a particular team because you're not really supposed to, you're supposed mm. to be seen to be impartial. But You're a closet hoop. I, I, well, I don't think there's anything. I, I think most of the journalists who cover League of Ireland teams would be probably well known to be affiliated towards a certain team. I've never seen any particular reason why journalists should hide what football team they follow because it doesn't impact my work if anything I am a Rovers fan but I you probably over the years become a little bit desensitised to maybe what you guys feel during games as far as, as you know, what I would consider proper fans you know because I have to take a professional sort of step back from it so all that sort of waffle out of the way yeah I remember going to Rovers matches I'm from Glasnevin originally um, moved over to Dunleary when I was about 11 and it was not the first season. 1990 was the first season of the RDS, was it? Yeah. I have a vague memory. I played Ga for Kula when I was about 12, 13. I have a vague memory after the Italian 90 World Cup of a coach that I had at the Ga club talking to one of his mates or one of his other coaches or something about being at that first match in the RDS against Pats and there was 20,000 fans or something. Yeah, and it kind of stuck in my head and I even though Rovers were only playing sort of not too far away from me they'd get a dart to go up and watch probably took me a couple of seasons before I went because I was kind of into the Premier League at the time or as it was and so were all my mates so but I ended up going to matches then just on my own and I don't know why yeah I, I was always kind of taken nearly more by the atmosphere at games initially because I didn't know too much about the League of Ireland and my mates had no interest in it, as I said so I was kind of going on my own trying to learn from scratch really in terms of who the characters were I just remember the chant about Johnny Johnny Toll he gets the ball he scores a goal Johnny <laughs> Toll and things like that nearly stuck in my mind more just the, the banter in the crowd and the sort of the just the just the, the characters in the crowds almost as much as the pitch but the more I sort of went to games at that age 13, 14 the more you kind of appreciated the qualities of certain players I just remember you in my head anyway it was what they describe now as just an engine, you know, and he scored a fair few as well. And yeah, we would say like uh, and when I hear engine in our current team, I probably think McAniff. So that type of player who just keeps going, yeah, and keeps going, and that's you literally reading off the script here. We were going to ask you what you liked about John as a player, so that was just it. It was the but I remember that pitch. Of, yeah, and and at that time I was probably just going to home matches, hopping on the dirt, and going to games on my own, and then would kind of half get to know a few people, but I'd be gone. But the pitch. You must remember what, what was it like playing because I just remember that pitch was the show jumping ground. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a bog. You could make a sliding tackling pitch. It was like pulling up a carpet. You could yeah. roll. It was like roll grass that was on the middle of the pitch, you know. Brutal, was it? Yeah, it was tough. It, was, it wasn't all the time. It depends. It different times of the year, it'd be, it'd be really, really bad, like, you know. But it must have taken a lot of it in terms of your type of game. and. Yeah, it was a big enough pitch, yeah. It was a yeah. big pitch, yeah. Did you get your horse injections? Oh, we all got the horse injections, yeah. 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 <laughs> a few other things. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
we've had a few questions sent to everybody, John. Uh, yeah. Some uh, more serious than others, and that's mm. always the way it is. So, Bear Bundrich, he says this. Uh, does your man still cut your hair? Huh? Max, I'm cutting my hair. <laughs> we get one of these every time, uh, don't we? Yeah. We get these strange ones. I think he's taking the piss out of your haircut. Tell you, if you want to advertise, Jimmy Brazil. Do you remember Gene? I played with him. Gene, oh, yeah. Good brother. Yeah, yeah the last 40 years. Really? Hill, yeah. There you go. There you go. It's a uh, for Jimmy. <laughs> Carol O'Gorman says, How much do you charge to paint the horse there in London? Oh, I'll tell Carol. I'll send you the estimator up to see where's he live. The invoice. I'm yeah. looking at you to see my dad's a painter. I see your fingernails ah, there. Yeah, you can tell. Straight from work. By the way, I'm a decorator. I tell your dad, is he a painter or a decorator? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can get you a free plug on here yeah. now. Anyone wants there? They're learning, yeah, painted, give John a show. Yeah. So, um, I might be giving her a ring myself. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in the last Rovers Reserve team and it was in the last season at Milltown. So talk about, about how you came to sign for the club. So who were you playing for? Let's say, who did you play for starting off as a kid and where are you from originally? Yeah, well, I'm from Drumcondra originally. Literally, right. it's Stone's Shop from Talker Park. Right. Um, Cantor Park, it's called. It's, there's a lane me. You know where the players go in and out now? Yeah. There's a lane me across me. If you go through that lane, mate, there's a road parallel to the original road. Right. That's the road I was brought up on. You know? Right. So my playground was the end of the road, it was the dumpster, you know, the field opposite Talca Park, that mm. was the playground. Um, played for Stella Maris um, up to about 16. Noel McCabe, if you remember, an old, he was the famous scout that found his Roy Kane. But he had a bad accident on his bike, and <clears throat> we had a great team that year. We like we, Robbie Best was on the team, Marcus Shoes, Morris O'Driscoll. Good team, really good yeah. team. Ricky McAvoy. Well, Ricky had actually gone. He'd gone over to England at the time. And, He's uh, a bit of a cold hero from the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I played with Robert Ricky for a few years in Stella Maris, but then he, he ended up signing. Like, we were under 14. He ended up signing for Belvis under 16 for somebody because they were the Galacticos. They'd all Martin Russell and Swanee. And good team, yeah. They did a good team, but they were real, you know. So, But we had a great team and up to under 16, and uh, Noel had a bit of an accident on his bike. And he... I won't say he went, he just went a bit loose in the head, you know, yeah, like he'd come yeah. in and he'd be telling you to play left back and I said, no, I never played there before and he wants you to play, you know. So the chairman came in and he looked after the team. He seen out the season, but we went on to win the league and won the All-Ireland. The smashing team under 16, but it just broke up then, so. That normally is the case at that age, isn't it? Everybody kind of goes separate ways, well, no, you know, no, broader. Not, no, um, well, you get picked off. That yeah. team, like the top teams get picked off one or two off the team every year. But it did, like, you play up to, to the youth level. Like, if, like you had full leagues up to youths, up to under 18s. And there were great leagues up to under 18s. And then, they, you know, it all broke up now in recent years with the, with the under 17s and whatever. It's under the National League. League. National League. But, uh, but when I was playing, it was like, youth football was still a very, very strong, strong league, you know. Mm. So, but I left then, I went out to Edmar, out to Malachy's in Edmar. And spent two great years out there. Actually, uh, Jimmy McDermott. I don't know if you know Jimmy McDermott. He was the technical director. He was of the FEI. Paddy Bannon's job, a real doctor's job. He had that. Oh, really? Of, he was the manager then, you know. So he was managing Kilmar United, who were in the AOL Premier Division, and he was managing us, the schoolboy team, to Mali. So, so we used to train together. So we was training against men, and these were real men in the, the old AOL, you know. Yeah. And we'd play and train in the gym and we'd kick lumps out of each other. And, <laughs> but I reckon it was good for us because it hardened us up. Like we'd go out there playing against, say, under seven Israelis and we were training with men during the week. So so we had a great um, 
Seventeens we we were improving all the time. Then under eighteens we were really good. We won the All Ireland under eighteens, and uh, and that's for Edmar and Keely. Then Keely lived down the road in Tan just off Tandegee Road, you know. So, and he knew the league, so he was going to watch games. So he came yeah. and handpicked. I think it was five us off the team to go up to Milltown at the time. He had just taken over from Jim McLaughlin. He just taken over the last year in Milltown. Yes, yeah. so five us off that team and up to Milltown and. Who else was it with you that went up? Um, uh, Liam Hempenstall, Mika O'Hare. I can tell you a few stories about Mika. <laughs> he was a wagon. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, Johnny Darden. Um, I think Dave Mooney came up, a fellow called Dave Mooney. Um, I think maybe it was only four of us came up. And, uh, and can you remember the phone call or what way did it come about? Did he knock at your door? Did he come and see you at training? See, then I would have known my dad. And I think he rang the house and says, I'm looking to speak to John, blah, blah. So I just took off from there and says, I want you to come up. And, and is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So Roberts at the time were off the winning three in the row and it was just, they were the big League of Ireland team for them to come in for you. you but know? they would have been in, in brief down, well, not brief downfall, they would have been leaving Milltown at the time as well. No, 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 it was the last year. It was the very it last season. didn't even know they were losing. Like, it yeah, was, it, was it wasn't the, in the pipeline yet. No, it was the season before they actually left. So that would have been huge. Oh, it was great, Chase, gone to Rob. But like the only thing to say about that is we went up to be done a pre season up in um UCD. Mm. And like there was about, like there was the first team right there. And then there was about thirty young you know, trialists and young players and we were part of it. So I suppose he had to dwindle it down to like I was the last of the same Alkies players to stay with the team. The rest of them went back and played for Kilmar United and Belgrade yeah. and a few other teams, you know. But that's what they did at the time, and then they they break the squad down to about twenty, you know, or even less, probably sixteen or seventeen. And then you had the fourth team as well coming down. So, and was it intimidating playing with the likes of all those superstars who had won the league uh, in uh, now? Well, there's a few stories I probably can't say in this one. Say what you want. Keep, no, I, I, jeez, no. I get them and Keely arrested for some reason. <laughs> well, he, that was that have we got extradition with Spain? <laughs> <laughs> we get but, uh, he lives abroad now, I suppose. Yeah, but. Uh, He's I a Dundalk fan anyway, so. Yeah. I know them, it was brilliant. Like, I used to love, because I used to go up to over to every game then and watch them on the Sunday, you know. But um, the team, the, that B team he had, he ended up, like, we won, won the league that year. Um, and I think we, we won the, the Black Town Trophy. In uh, Milltown, the last one of the last games, as long as the official last game or one of the last games in Milltown, mm. uh, to finally won that. So we had a very good B team, really good B team. So John, uh, he's actually donated something to Johnny Blues Bar as well, and this is going to be sought after when mm-hmm. some of our other hoops hear about this. It's actually Pat mm. Bourne's jersey he wore in the last season of Milltown. Now this yeah, we'll is getting out. framed. He told us he can put it on a mannequin and stick Boris Johnson's head on it. <laughs> But I think we're going to put it in the frame and get it signed because put it's... Put Mary uh, Lou's head in it. Like <laughs> it's, uh, this, is, this is a real piece of history, this is. So yeah. definitely very grateful for that, John. So we thank you for that. And um, Gary's just about to mention your debut, but I think this is your league debut. Did you did you play prior to the last game? Well, I'll tell you... Was I was league, in, league Cup or something? I'd only signed, really, from Maliki Say as a schoolboy for hours. And uh, so that was pre-season. So I was... Going well in pre-season, I was flying in pre-season, so Dermot dragged me into some of the squad, on the bench for the friendlies against United and Arsenal, and then, which was amazing, they were trained, then they got training with the first team, which was more amazing, 
Um, then they dragged me into the squad for uh, the European trips, you know, for uh, the home. I was on the bench against Celtic and away to Celtic and Parkhead. Wow, yeah. No, I shit myself. Like a mile. It was like twenty thousand a million. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was a brilliant atmosphere, but like it was kind of probably was only eighteen years of age and it was kind of like jaws on the ground thinking about coming on. Well, no, I was afraid I was gonna be coming on, what am I gonna do here, you know? But he was at that age, you know, but uh, but it was great experience, but that's yeah, it was great. And then you know, I ended up you know, you was kind of in the squad the Played a few lengths, you asked me when they made my debut, I actually don't know the official, but I know I was in a few squads and played a few lengths of senior cup matches and league cup matches that year. It could have been just played to the FAI Cup final. Yeah, and I think played the, we won the President's Cup up in Oriel Park, I remember that, mm. and I was playing that day, I remember and I went to a penalty shootout, that, I don't know fitting, what stage it was. That's a fitting debut, season. considering this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the mastermind yeah. just the mastermind yeah. Um, yeah but we reckon the league debut was the last league game of the 86-87 season yeah 3-1 win way to home farm because Keely put out a second string team just prior to the cup final so he played in that one I believe well at the start of that season the, the very start of the season now that could have been a league debut yeah, yeah. maybe but I know he did play I remember him sending me on in a actually he, we played in the the league cup final. Do you know the, the, the league cup still going now? I don't know what's yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Down in Carp, Carp was one nil down there, but like mm. it was the full full team. But I think Pat Bourne was injured. Her summer was injured in the middle of that. That would have been after this game we're talking. Oh, would it? Yeah, that game was eighty seven, eighty eight. This is eighty six, eighty seven final day. No, I wasn't there then. Really? I don't think I was there. I don't think I I came at the start of the last of the season, you know, the pre-season. Yeah. yeah. So I, I well, I'll look up that team again. I'll so. look up that. But uh, is it true that mm. uh, this is this is in Robert Gargan's book now that Keely nearly released you at one point because he didn't think you were going to make the grade? Yeah. But actually, I don't know what it was. Um, he actually said it. Told me this after. He says. Uh, didn't pull any punches, did he? Oh no, Darren was straight as an arrow. Like uh, straight as an arrow. I think I don't know about a bit of an injury or something happened to me, and I went through about towards the end. Now this is. Towards the end, like I started off with a house on fire, it was in squads of, against United, Arsenal, Celtic, and all that, and played a few Leinster senior league matches and league cup matches throughout the year, and was on the bench a few times. But towards the end of the season, then I phased off a bit. I don't know what the hell happened to me, I can't remember whether I went in the gargle or <laughs> I had injuries or something was. I don't know, I can't remember, but I remember him saying to me, so I came back for pre season, and he said to me, uh, uh, I actually when I came back I was flying when I came back uh, and he said I was nearly going to let you go last year and, you know he I, he didn't anyway in the end but it was close enough he think he said <laughs> nearly gonna, I don't know what it was I just went through a bit of a lull towards the end of the season you know and uh, the following season then that was the start of the following season I think in Talca was it? yeah yeah I think he said I was nearly going to but he didn't and I came back flying in pre-season and I was and you'd have been a teenager when the ground was sold. Uh, do you think you were too young to kind of appreciate the, the magnitude of the situation? Yeah, it probably kind of went over my head a little bit. Yeah. You know, I didn't appreciate as much as you know the, the fans. Now, you know, in hindsight, being there and seeing all the, the stuff that's happened, like it's it was a disaster. Like, but I remember like the year in Talca. Like, I think I remember looking at a program about fifty. You know, years later, later, and you're looking back in old programs. Uh, you know, you could you'd probably get the stats in this, but I think I made about twenty appearances 
between sub and playing in the Talca Park area, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really. It was kind of like it's a forgotten season, and I think in the Rovers' history, like it really just yeah pushed aside, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul, do you think the cup win in November was like the last connection to Milltown in a way? We hadn't won it since '87, so the cloud was finally lifted. Do, do I think it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was just, just getting. I don't quite it's so long like that. Were you sick of asking Brazil about it at that stage? Uh, genuinely, yeah. Like again, like I don't mean to keep Grief turning back. Grief for mates to as well. Yeah. Was another yeah. thing as well. I know that rival fans is something that you just kept uh, dealing with. Like I mean, Pat's I think it was 52, 53 years, was it? Yeah. And uh, they won it. They got a couple of league wins as well. So you're just it's in your ear constantly. And there was definitely a noticeable like even you know for the 10, 15 years after eighty seven and the last cup win. Even for 10, 12, 15 years, Rovers were still being referred to as the cup specialists. Yeah. But that sort of very quietly just dropped away. Like, you know, there was no references in the yeah. last few years to Rovers being the cup It started to be used in an ironic sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's good for everybody. Well, that's how, that that's how the, the piss was being taken. You'd be like, yeah. oh, here's a cup specialist now. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, it was getting to you at this stage. Something I meant to ask you earlier, so I'm just going to have to drop it in here now. But you work in the media. How have you found Stephen Bradley's sort of, let's say, performances in the media in his three seasons? Have they improved on, like, maybe gone back to the first couple of years where he would put his foot in it and he would say, you know, this is their cup final and things like that? I know what you mean, yeah. Um, Yeah, um, I I quite like dealing with Bradley. In terms of, so from a journalist's point of view, purely a journalist's point of view, there'd be League of Ireland managers and players that you can just ring on the phone directly and you can do interviews with them and you know them and yeah. there's no problem and they know you're not going to screw them over. Mm. Unlike, say, clubs in England where you have to go through agents, you have to go through club press officers, you have to go through red tape and there's no real relationship in England with sort of players and managers directly with journalists because of all this red tape and it's a mess. That's the beauty of the League of Ireland. You can just go straight to the people. Bradley's a nightmare to get hold of on the phone. He doesn't really... <laughs> deal with us on the phone he, he'll he do his Thursday morning press conference in Roadstone before a home match yeah. and he'll be very accessible after matches home or away and the one thing I like about him is that he doesn't dodge questions there'll be some managers who'll fudge a question or he'll do this or that Bradley in fairness to him is very honest yeah. in his first year his second year he, I've no idea you know I don't know the guy outside of a professional relationship I've no personal relationship with him I don't know him as a bloke yeah. just know him as a manager someone I have to work with as such I think he might have admitted himself after the first year or second year that maybe he was a bit too honest in things that he said yeah. and I think there were a couple of things that were used to beat him in terms of the cup special or the cup final thing that with Bose was, yeah. there was one thing that stands out in my memory about I think he said something along the lines of Cork City Mm. Are, are kind of nothing without Sean Maguire or Sean Maguire is their whole team or something like that and I think it was just worded clumsily from his point of view I don't think he was actually having a real go at Cork yeah. I just think he meant that if you take out or figure out the Maguire conundrum and the threat that you kind of nullify it yeah. mm. I think which is true really yeah. at that time I think he's a better media performer as such now in that he probably doesn't leave himself open to too many or as many low blows maybe as he might have left himself open to in the past but uh, he's quite straight talking you know he'll he'll give you an answer if you ask him a question he doesn't generally dodge it there are times particularly after the Bose 
uh, games where Rovers were going through with some poor results where you'd ask him a question and he'd give you a three word answer and a bit of a stare you know, <laughs> you, but like we get that you know you, you understand that a manager is fairly pissed off but that's the bread and butter though isn't it like I mean that's that's what you want you want people to kind of like you're, you're, you have to ask pressing questions like it's your job isn't it yeah you do and like and that's what people want to hear yeah and you're yeah exactly you have to get the reaction out of them and mm. you know managers you know will probably see us as being pests at times you know <laughs> like genuinely the way or that we write a story that they don't want published but that's journalism it's not you know, it's the old saying of there's a difference between journalism and PR. If you're just pushy as well, if they want to get a story out there. Mm. Yeah. Did you like doing interviews when you were playing? Uh, well, you might. You managed Dublin City at the end yeah, of your career yeah, as well. No yeah. problem. Like it is. Usually, like I don't think there's many journalists or any journalists. I don't know if there's any journalists that would stitch up. Like mm. I've never really come across that there's bad journalists really that that kind of make a ticket or make you know. Yeah. I haven't come across it. Maybe in England, it's in Ireland, it's probably different, but I, I don't know any in my time that's even yeah. get to make a capture. Well, it, I, I, I think, and I, I also am fully aware that fans don't really give a shite what media think in a way, or, or care too much about <laughs> us and our work and all that. But we have a job to do. But I do think, just like touched on earlier on, in England, there's so much red tape <coughs> between journalists and players, or journalists and managers, that you don't develop these relationships with the manager or with the player like you can do in the League of Ireland. Like, you know, you can go racing at Christmas in the off-season and bump into some League of Ireland players who you know and you see them at the races or you might see them down the shop or you might see them wherever mm. and you can have a chat with them and you know them and you build relationships with them and they know you're not going to screw them over and you're not going to screw them over. Right. You will be critical of them if they have a poor game. Yeah. You have to be and they'll understand that. Or they might send you a text going, Jay's you were you were harsh on that. I remember a goalkeeper once texted me going, I didn't make that mistake. How did you see it through a crowded box? And you said, oh, I've made the mistake, you make me look like a clown. I didn't make the mistake, it was this, that or the other, you know. Right. So you have to put your hands up at times. You, you get things wrong, you know. You you might be given a bum steer on a signing that maybe a club were looking at yeah. a week it, maybe a month ago and they dropped all interest and you put in the paper that you know they're interested in such and such a player, and then they're ringing you going, "What are you at?" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it sort of balances itself out. But the relationship you have with people in the League of Ireland, from a media point of view, is very valuable because you build trust and you build a relationship with people. And of course, there'll be people who you don't like and people who don't like you, and have no time for you and don't want to deal with you, and that's fine. But there is a trust there, I think, among the sort of the the media covering the League of Ireland, or for the most part covering the League of Ireland, that. You're not out to shaft anybody, you know. It's so I'm guessing you didn't ask uh, long. Was it a corner? <laughs> 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 but back to just briefly back to uh, John. Was this you managed Dublin City? Now my my stats aren't as good as Prof, but did John relegate Rovers? No, no, it was Keely, ironically. Right, Keely, yeah, I know. Keely. It would be Roddy, Keely, wouldn't it? Oh, Roddy was managing the Rovers, wouldn't he? Roddy he left, left, shipped, he left, left he jumped, jumped like that was a, That was an EastEnders storyline, that was. <laughs> 2004, was it? So he jumped shit. Hollywood movie, that. And then, that was, yeah, I was just making sure there, because I was looking for the exit there, to see if John yeah. <laughs> relegated us. Like I said, my stats wouldn't be as good as props. Jerry McKeely who did it. I imagine you were in the press box at the Aviva, Paul, but obviously it was, that was a special day for Robbers. This is something that, can cup. you separate your 
obviously you have your journalism hat on and your fans hat on. How did you separate that at the final? Like that. that yeah, Justin amazing. Mason said outright, "I'm not going as part of what the Dublin City FM absolute game. Yeah, I'm just going as a fan. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird because yeah. I was saying earlier on, like, yeah, you kind of have to desensitize yourself from all of this. Like, like uh, I, I don't mind saying this. It's not. It's no big revelation or anything like that. Like, I was a member of the 400 Club at Rovers when it first started. Yeah, and I was working in the Irish Times at the time, and you were paying your forty quid a month or whatever it was. And I wasn't the main football guy in the Irish Times at all, so I didn't feel there was a conflict of interests. Oh, yeah. And then, out of the blue, I got approached by the Mirror in 2008 to go to be their main sort of Irish football guy. And I've been there ever since, but I felt that if I was going to be covering the League of Ireland in way more depth, that it was a complete conflict of interest that I was a member, a fan member right. of one of the clubs. So I, rel- I relinquished my membership to Rovers. And while I am a Rovers fan... I was saying earlier, like I've I've kind of become desensitized to the passion involved in it. Yeah. In that I always want to see Rovers do well and yeah, I was happy that they won the FAI Cup, but you're saying what did I feel in the final whistle? Mm. I felt like honestly I was just like shit, I'm looking at a blank screen here on my laptop and I've got two, three pages of the mirror to fill <laughs> tomorrow. And nothing written down. And, and I have to file a website report first and then I have to do the newspaper one and then I have to give player ratings for both teams and then I have to go down and myself and my colleague, Mick Scully, we have to go down and interview the winning team, the losing team. That's the honest answer to your question. And then what I did enjoy from it was... Probably took you a week to celebrate, didn't it? Yeah, well, what I did enjoy from it was my dad and my sister brought... I have three kids, uh, two boys and a, and a girl, and the eldest lad is only seven. The other lad is five, and then my daughter, she's three. But my two boys, who had come to some Rovers matches, I brought them to Rovers matches, and I brought them usually to the under-19s games on a Saturday because right. I can't I can't bring them on a Friday because I'm working. But they were over on the, the, the other stand, the, the east stand, is it, yeah. in the Aviva? They were there for the cup final, and I was getting mm. pictures, WhatsApp pictures from my dad and my sister during the penalty shootout and everything, and I have them up in the wall at home and stuff, and that's what that meant to me. That's great. Okay. More so than getting wrapped up in the emotion of yeah. whatever thirty years. Having a backlog of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John, tell us your own thoughts on the on the final yourself. Well, like you said, I think they should have won it in the in the yeah in the four in ninety minutes, you know. Um. Did um like as as a former player did uh, did you meet up with any former players and and head to the game or anything like that because I know no Pat, I was away Pat and his no, oh you were away, away. yeah I didn't, Pat, I didn't Pat Born and his contingent yeah, had a, had no, a mob yeah where was I I was away I don't think where I was away I was away anyway I know I was away <laughs> I was away when that happened but I remember seeing seeing the match I think it was down the country somewhere but it was nice to see the the mob of players all come together yeah. and, and, and go to the game and mm. like put it this way like we we were in the Terranurian afterwards initially in the Abbey and then to the Terranurian and you're looking around and it's just a plethora of, of ex-stars and like McPhail is there Brad's is there Pat Bourne Neville Stephen Alan O'Neill, like everybody just so all around you drinking points, the cup is there and you're just thinking, This is this is surreal, this is actually happening right now, it's finally happened. Like so it was it was really was it was fantastic. And um prom. Yeah, so we'll go back to uh Toller's career. So we mentioned that that Talca boycott season, eighty seven, eighty eight. So yeah. so what was that like as a young player playing in front of paltry home crowds? You probably preferred the away games. Yeah, well, like I say, I, I didn't play many. I played, I think I made 20 appearances in the like, um, 
but he was always in the squad. And uh, <coughs> you know, it was a terrible atmosphere amongst the, within the dressing room. You know, it wasn't a great atmosphere. Yeah. I remember Dermot one day. Uh, the supports were outside, Cram were outside, and they were banging on the wind and all. And he just flipped, and he just. <laughs> well, now the dressing room used to be in the middle of the ground. If you remember that, I don't know if you remember then, right in the middle of the ground. And he went out of the dressing room, up the steps out, and he wanted to attack somebody, you know. And that was a half time, like, you know. I think he went. Up, players, <laughs> players are in there, and you're kind of like, what the fuck? I think he went on to uh, admit that he picked the wrong side as regards to the whole Kilcoyne mm. situation as well. Yeah. And he took him 30 years. Ah, he did, yeah. Took yeah. Him, yeah. 30 years, yeah. yeah. It was a great team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just the, the whole atmosphere, everybody just kind of nearly. I wouldn't say the down too, it was just the, 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 the feel and atmosphere and then how the, the foreign row fellas would probably tell you more than I tell you, but I was there as a young fella and I just you could see it wasn't it wasn't a good yeah good place to be. But then you went to Drada and you captained them to a fourth division title, yeah, so you must have enjoyed that. Well you're jumping gun there now. <laughs> yeah, um Keely left that year. Right. Right, so I was still I done my thing and then at the end of that season there was a they all left, went to Derry, and it went down the one to treble with Derry. That's where Lowe went, and wherever else they went. So, uh, Keeley left, and a good few Dolo, Gaff, John Cody, who else? Lark up, they mm. all went up to North and uh, up, to, up to Derry. So then, I don't know, the rest all left. So, there was only a couple of players left. I think Harry was left, and I think Jody was left. Mick Bourne might have been still there, I'm not too sure if right. he went away, but um. So then Kinger came in. So I was there with Kinger at the start of the season, and Kinger signed Edna two legs. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm one of those with Roddy Collins. Now Roddy's a great bloke. You know, as a as a character for League of Ireland, I think he's good for the league. And Dax Key, there's loads. Anything that he because he had to get a team together. He was left with Kinger. I don't know if you remember, but I remember he was left kind of virtually. There wasn't much. You know, everybody's just gone, and they're moved uh, up to Dalymount. So he got us anybody that was he could get his hands on together, and uh, we done pre season, started the pre season, and he was a player coach at the time, Kinger, and Ricky McAvoy, Ricky the Rovers mm. was he signed, you know, I think he could tell me he came back from England or somewhere, and uh, so Kinger was a player coach, and it was it was kind of down to the thing, it was either me or Kinger, you know, going to play in the team. Now I was still only, I was I twenty at the time, probably nineteen twenty. So I could see after a few games things weren't happening here. So uh, that Rovers B team from the previous years, uh, Liam Bryan took over. Uh, he was the manager of the B team, Rovers B team. He took over Draw the United. Well, he was joint manager with him, with mm. Bradish, and he brought a few. Up. He brought Paddy Dunning up from who was assistant to Keeley. Um, he brought Robbie Hargan, the goalkeeper. He brought John Nolan. Um, who else did he bring up? I wouldn't say up anyway, it was, it was a kind of, there was a good setup up there, so they came in and asked her to go up on loan, so I went on loan to them for 10 weeks, and I loved it, Jeez, I loved it up there, it was great, Yeah. it was only young fellas, but they were, they were a good team, and playing ball and winning playing games, playing ball and twos, all young fellas, like the, like the money was pitting, it wasn't about the money, it was just, but we had uh, a good young team, and great crack off the pitch, they were great blokes, all good guys, you know, and I loved it. And then my 10 weeks was up and Kinger says, I want you back. And 
Oh, he begged him because look, I said, look, I don't want to come back and so a little bit of influence. Me dad's, me dad knew Kinger as well. Yeah. You know, uh, he eventually said, okay, I just signed for draw. He just let me go, and that was it. So I signed for draw, and then stayed there for four years. Were great. We won the league that year. Two promotions actually. Yeah, well, it was up there for four years. The first year that year, <coughs> first year we won the league. Um, I won a shoestring, I think, David. And got promoted. Still in fairness. Yeah, 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 but it was really down. Like I think it was. You know, there was, was fellas in always B team getting more money than they were. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the following year, they got promoted, uh, playing the Premier Division, got relegated. Um, so that was bad. Then the next year, we uh, got, promo- got promoted. I got the first division player of the year, which was delighted to get, and player of the year in Rada. And we stayed in the division. Oh, no, no, we got we got promoted in the other fourth division up into the Premier Division, and the following year we stayed in the division, mm-hmm. and that's when I left. Then Liam Bryan left, and I think Devil, back to the hoops. Devil came in, yeah. Does yeah. Went back. That's when I came back to Rovers, then, yeah. A like Gago. Gago, uh, yeah. Me- mediocre season in ninety two, ninety three, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, it was fairly mediocre. We were kind of. We had, we lacked a few probably real strong characters in the team, you know. Like yeah. you know, we were like we Peter Eccles, Peter was great, but you know, there's a few wishy washy. Don't I mean not the bad way players, but like they weren't yeah, not big characters, solid characters yeah. and, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I think I had a bit of an injury that year as well. I I, I think I was out for about two months with my Achilles, and uh, so that was that was that was that you know, but. Uh, but I have to say now, Ray, Ray, Ray was good. Ray, Ray Tracy was a, a good manager. I have to say, a great manager. He worked, worked wonderful. But you know, I thought, I thought he was great. He had his faults. You know, if you want to move on further, like when we did win the league, you know. Um. But the year before we won the league, you know, we were me- mediocre. That's yeah. that best. We we were, you know, best. So this game should have significance to uh, to Paul. Do you remember this one? Yeah. Friendly with Nottingham Forest. Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest. Oh yeah. In July. Nila. So this was actually Paul's first game. It's a, it, I think it's the first Rovers game. It's the first one I remember being at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nila. Yeah. And was that? I'm trying to work out. Was that preseason of the '94 winning no. season? No. It was preseason no. of the mediocre season yeah. beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Keely signed me, and I think he signed um, Martin Bailey. Do you remember Martin? Yeah, Robert's brother. And uh, I think Gary O'Sullivan. Bocker's uncle. Yeah, yeah. Bocker's uncle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like playing with Boobell, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He drew with Forrest Nil Do you remember what happened to Roy Keane that day? I got a phone call from a fella in America. Some fella's writing a book and he asked me. He says, can you remember? And he says, I can't really know. And he says, it's something about an article or something that I made a tackle on Roy Keane early, early doors in a match. But like, I couldn't remember, to be honest with you, you know. I actually can't remember if it was you or somebody else, but yeah, you, this, this a Rovers player got into a scuffle with Keane over yeah, a tackle, yeah. and Keane got booked. Yeah. So then the assistant manager, because Clough wasn't in the dugout. No, he wasn't, he wasn't at the match. So the assistant manager pulled off Keane, yeah. worried that he'd be sent off. Mm. This is only like a half an hour into the game. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the funny Roy Keane story. It's there as you mean to go on, So on to 93-94 title win the season, and... At the start of the season, did you think to yourself a bit about this team now? A new signings, who came in, and did you have those characters that you spoke with? Yeah, that you didn't have well, I'll tell you, to start of that season, yeah, he signed uh, Alan O'Neill and Terry Ellison, 
who were kind of towards the end of their career, if I'm honest, yeah. and they'd probably be honest as well, I'd say that, but but they were great for the dressing room. Like They brought in a, a little bit of a sense of experience and know-how and something, they, but they brought in like a bit more professionalism or something. They brought in something that was, you know, was an ingredient in the mix, if you want to put it that way. Um, they were great. And then uh, Ozo, Paolo Sam, they brought in, and Alan Byrne. I think that's all they brought in, is it? That's mm. the four. Alan Byrne was player of the year. Yeah. But Ozam actually didn't play much that season. Yeah. He's injured, didn't he? He got injured he halfway. The first, yeah. Supposedly brilliant when he was playing. Yeah, yeah, he played the first 20 games. And this is what I heard, don't that, you know. And if he played 21 games, he got, an, he got a, something like a sign-on fee of an extra... Something. Yeah. So key. Well, that's rampant in football well, nowadays, yeah, isn't it? So he didn't make the twenty-one games, but I honestly, he, he did. You now with a trace, that that's that's one story. The other story, I was I was saying that he done this crucial in, and he was out and he couldn't play, and I think he did. There was, I think he did have to get some sort of knee operation. I'm not a hundred percent. But he was he was interviewed by forty-two that he a couple of years ago, and that that is the reason he gave it right. He said that yeah, he injured his knee injury, yeah, yeah and yeah. he couldn't play. Yeah, but, uh, but, but I, he was I, he was bitter about it though. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very bitter about it. But that that's what I'm saying. He was a smashing player. He's a great player, but us, you know, uh, he couldn't get the ball into it. Even me, he seemed to play against us. When the ball goes into him on his feet, and he just couldn't get off. Yeah. He was like a rock. Yeah. But uh, but Trey, like Gray was a great manager, and I say I praise him. I'll always be grateful to him. But he he, he bad points as well about. Dealing with certain players with personalities as well. So man management wasn't a strong point. Oh, no, man management was great, but at the same time, if he could be a very stubborn man, you know that that kind of way, you know, very stubborn. But as I found out towards the end of that season, that's what happened. A lot of stuff with players, like you know, but um, kind of fell. But uh, but, but Terry Allen were brilliant. Oza was brilliant, and Alan Bourne was brilliant. He was great in the team as well. Alan Bourne in Middle Park. So that's four great additions, but with yeah. a slow enough start, scored a straw on dock, the RDS 1-0 defeat at Shelbourne, 5-0 win over Galway at Terryland thanks to a John Tall hat-trick, and a five-game win streak on the way, first hat-trick? First and only hat-trick, first and only, and I remember well, five sides are right, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's good and well, I don't have any cameras or any press there, it was just happy hunting yeah. ground Terryland Park isn't it? Yeah it was, yeah they played I think in there, uh, I swear they took the rugby, rugby pitch, I think it was at the time. Yeah, I think it was the same season. season. Yeah, yeah was, I think yeah. that's where they were playing out of, yeah. But uh, we had a slow start, I think. Had we in, um, in the League Cup or something? The, uh, I know we started the season, but that yeah. that start of that season, we done a pre-season, I tell you, it was savage. It was, it was like army training. Like we three weeks, I think it was three weeks, we were out of ball. He was just told, bring your runners, we'll meet you down the Shelley Banks and Tracy, uh, Coxie Carberry, Tony Mackin, and they used to just run the Jays house, you know. <laughs> and then they'd say, right, uh, we used to always meet. The good thing at the time, Ray was great, like, he, he, he was able to band the team great. We used to meet, use uh, the RDS as our base, and Huey Green, do you remember Huey Green? He was, no, Huey, no. I don't second inch Green, Huey used to have a room up the back there and he'd make the tea and biscuits. So after every training session, after every match, uh, we'd always go for tea and biscuits and have a chat amongst each other. And You know, and 
great creator. Like, you, you got a great bonding amongst the Would team. Would you talk yeah. shop like you'd be talking about football? I'd talk anything. Shite, talk yeah. anything <laughs> but then there could be a serious race. Say, right, how long for a minute, lads? Here we just give us five minutes and this needs to be addressed. Serious stuff about whatever, whatever you address. But um, but the pre season, that pre season, I'll never forget it. Like it was, uh, we used to meet in the RDS, and then from there we go from cars, and he used to bring us like the Shelley Banks was one spot. He used to Colony Hill, he'd say, We're going to Colony Hill, and I don't know if you know Colony Hill. Yeah. Down the end of us there, and you know, we just bring, they just have different routes, and it's just pair of runners, and off you go in pairs, and and there'd be stations along the way. The buddy system, was be, it? There'd be like different we actually coaches. actually employed that bike on Saturday for ourselves, like amateur hikers. Savage, yeah, step aside. Yeah, <laughs> you know, step aside, you know, if you up one side of the hill, down the far side. Yeah, up, like, up around where you we were, yeah. He just he had us so fit it was um And that put you in good stead for this well, season. Yeah, I think I, I think we the bad league cup, but we were probably just knackered at the time, you know. But once the season started then I remember we went up the north and uh, I remember Ray saying this to me, we played banger and he says, Once I seen that us we played we bet them out of the park <coughs> and uh, he says, That's my team. He says, I remember saying that he saying it to me personally, he says, I remember seeing me we played against Banger up there, he said we bet them two 0 but we we batted them. Oh, was that was that a notice? You, you were talking about that season <coughs> and, and and the preseason that you did. Was that a noticeable shift from what you had been doing in preseason previous to that? Under the under the same manager. Definitely, yeah. That season we won the league was the hardest preseason I've ever done. I've done them. and since before it, yeah. or since. But did Ray? Do you think in his own mind feel that he had to do something different or? Um. Well, obviously he did. He, he yeah, and why? The years after that, then we went to America. Like he brought us some trips to America, which were a disaster, you know. But that that season, we were at home here and playing local friendlies. Went up the north, actually done a small trip up the north, played a few friendlies and uh, kept but, it low key, yeah, simple and tough. Se- yeah, when the season started, we hit the ground running. We were we were like fit as fiddles. Like that was the fittest I was ever for me life, I think. Mm. And you know, and you know, once you're on the pitch and you're fit, yeah, you're, you're invincible, nearly, you know the way. So as Gary said, there was a five-game win streak. There was a, there was a seven-game win streak as well, a separate one. So going into January, February, we're up at the top of the table. I think Galway were closest challengers at that stage, possibly. But then came a run of four defeats in a row. Mm. So we went into a game at Daily Mounts. Title challenge seemingly going off the rails. But then you scored a penalty to get us back on track, a 2-1 win at Daily Mount. So that leaves me to my... Really? Yeah. There you go. This uh, yeah, one, uh, yeah, penalty in the shed end, wasn't it? Yeah. This one, Ray Williams was talking about. Ray Williams yeah. said that he's never celebrated a goal as much as that since. He says it's the most celebrated goal he's ever, ever. <laughs> so, yeah. like, he said it's nothing's matched it, and there's been a lot of well, significant that, goals. That's since a statement. Yeah, that, that's that, after Jay's question. Was that's that close to the end the of the chat. season? Yeah. Fire down, fire, was that, I think it was, it was, it was in March. February, yeah. February, so the season would have finished in like May, you know, yeah. March, So the question from Jason Maloney was, how much pressure did you feel when taking that penalty against Bowes? Because it looked like we were going to blow the league after having a 10-point lead. There's pressure for every penalty, even if it's only... Can you remember it now? Can yeah, I can remember it. Well, what yeah. were you thinking? Dave, hand, hand those in goal. And what were you thinking? Right, I'm going to put it here, or I'm going to wait from the goal? No, what? you see, um, we played on Sunday in the RTS, so every Saturday we used to train there, and, you know. So we'd practice penalties. Like, I'd hit 10 penalties every Saturday, but without doubt, Robbie Harbin and goal. 
Uh, Robbie, I tell you. Joe Payne, uh, Robbie. No, yeah, Robbie. Uh, he, he Pepper enjoyed, yeah, but, <laughs> but he'd know where they were going. I'd say, yeah, I'd going to put them in that kind of there. And he said, right, Tommy, go ahead. And I'd rifle him up. And, you know, I'm just probably, he said, Tommy, I know where they're going. He says, I won't get to them. So that's okay. So, but I used to practice and practice and practice. And Someone actually noticed your technique. I have a question about that later on, yeah. Yeah, well, the um, story about that um, it was uh, <coughs> Paddy Mulligan's testimony. Do you remember? Oh, well, you were probably playing Forest as well in Daly. You had Paddy sitting in that chair, right here, was that yeah, chair yeah. not too long. Well, ago. it was his testimony in Daly Park when they played Forest. I think it was nineteen seventy nine. Around the time Forest had just won big things, whether it was in Europe or leagues, but they were big at the time. And I was with Stella Mars at the time, and. Uh, um, there was a penalty, going to be a penalty uh, competition at half time. Not the way they do the, these things at half time. Yeah. I think I was under 13 or under 14 with Stella Maris, and uh, we got invited to go into this penalty competition, you know. So my dad says, Right, kid, get your boots and balls <coughs> down to the dumps, down, we call the dumps, was down opposite Talga Park, you know. The, mm. There's a big field opposite Talga Park. Right. And he says, Right, take a penalty there. And uh, so I get up and you know, pass it into the corner there, you know. He said, no, forget about that. He says, you know, you're taking a free kick at the edge of a box. How hard would you hit it? And that's, he says, oh, you have to hit it as hard as you can in the corners. That's his job. And then we went up and uh, we done the penalty shootout. That was actually the morning he showed me that. And then that night we went up to earlier and it was Paddy Mullins' testimony. Full house shed and was full. Your man was in goal there. Uh, Mick O'Brien, remember the mad fella, the funny fella, he used to, mm. he, used to he was a bit like Bruce Scrabbler, he, 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 he broke the goal posts. Mick O'Brien, he broke the goal posts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back in the day, you know, but he was in goal and he was a bit of a comedian, you know. But, uh, but long story short, that, that was penalty. And he, sh my dad showed me, he said, This is what you do. Don't really feel good. That's not a bad way of saying it, actually. Take it. Well, it just takes any devil out of keepers and just, you know where you're going to put it, you hit as hard as you can there, and it's, if he gets to it, good luck. No Penencas and those things. No. no. Oh no, that's Jesus. No. So back to the penalty against Bowes. I mean, yeah. what end was it being taken into? The shed. The shed. So into yeah. into into the shed. Yeah. Probably silent. The silence. We're, we're reliving the moment can't now. Remember if it was silent, but I just you know. And you knew where you were putting it. I knew where I was putting the it. Hell no, no. I don't know because I would have took a few up up that seat. You know, I, I took a fair. I took all, most of all the penalties that year. Did he do it the right way? I can't remember that. But I think he might have. But you just remember so, the celebrations after. So if this was modern day now, the goalkeeping coach would be doing this homework. Uh, no, homework no, and you. Yeah, all the analysis yeah, like he always goes top yeah. left. And we'll make a difference. Yeah. We'll just go in anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was there was a penalty I remember taking against Shells at Target Park. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Alan Guff. Was it Guff? Alan Guff. Right. And he knew. And I knew he knew because you know the goalkeeper supposed to stand in the middle of the goal. This <laughs> fellow was nearly he was standing nearly in the corner beside the beside the goalpost. <laughs> so I just went up and rolled into the far corner. And that was the end of that myth that Tower only has one one side. Uh, Jason had a follow up question. Who was the best midfield partner you played with? This is be tough now. Will, will, will we say Roberts or his career? Say Roberts, yeah, best Roberts. Roberts. Best Roberts. Best Roberts. Best players played with Roberts, I'll be honest. Yeah. There, you know, like, like, I didn't, I played with Pat Bourne, I played with Dula, you know, but I didn't play long enough with them, you know, I didn't have sustained season with them, like that, yeah. Talking. See, like, this question is, you know, when you ask this question, you can you know, say, 
like sometimes we'll say to, to uh, play with Martin Russell up the north. Yeah, you know, but Alan Bourne will tell you straight out. You know, yeah. we had a great understanding with each other. That day we won the league, like we, <coughs> Alan gave me license to get forward, get around the pitch, like yeah. Europe, I'd be saying, energy, but just, you know, where, if I hadn't got, if I Derek McGrath in with me, I'd have to probably play the number six role or whatever you want to call it, you know, you just sit in there, but yeah. Alan was a big tough fella, I love heading it and tackles and, no, I like that myself, but, you know, you had a bit of license with him there that you could get around the park and charge fellas yeah. down and, and Alan was great, brilliant, like, he was probably the, you know, like don't get me wrong, Pat <laughs> I played with Pat a few games with Pat over whether the season before, a few seasons before, but uh didn't have that connection. Well it's not that he didn't have a connection, it didn't sustain a long enough Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, totally. uh season or, or play enough games from you know, to build up a kind of you know I'm not saying he was in the horse, he was probably the best. So you're player. saying Pat Bourne's brutal, but we'll give him no, just give no, it the jersey no. back, will <laughs> 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 Pat listens to the If you ask me who was the best player that I've ever seen, I I watched playing like I remember when I used to go up the last year in Milltown, like as a B team player in the reserve, he might have been even in the squad or on the bench, wherever it was. I'd go up one way or the other and you'd watch them play and they won the, the went to every game and they won the league that year in Milltown and like Pat was just after like the scale stuff, you know. Yeah. Can you compare him to a footballer nowadays as regards to like somebody even on the big on the on the big scene, like can because yeah. I would never have seen him play and that's something that mm. I always try and reimagine is that Well you ran the show. How yeah. how can we compare him? Like I've never seen him play football. Yeah. So I can't only imagine what type of player he was. Right. You know? Yeah. Can you compare him to anyone just to give fans, younger mm. fans, an idea of what type of player he was? Yeah. Um, his style, his technique. Style of play, yeah. Like he, he wouldn't be bursting into tackles. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't be pulling out. Like, you know, I mean, he he just but he would want the ball all the time. Like you know, like Joe Allen to a small degree. You know, Joe right. Allen the player. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. Welsh fella. That kind of our our. Who else there? Um, Just a technically good passer technically who always passed the ball. ball. Yeah, dead ball. Like Joe Allen wouldn't have the skills Pat would have in dead balls. Free kicks, corner kicks. He, you know, he was able to put on the two Yeah, that's just you know, he just he was very accurate with his passing, and, and take a ball like under pressure. Like that's that was one of the great things that that Robert <laughs> Like the fullbacks just be on the ball and Pat would take it off them. He fell up up, up his arse and he'd still take it off them. You throw a shape, lose your man, turn and switch it, stick it 60 yards onto the other full backs, fucking foot in that bomb. You know, he was, he was great at that. He was smashing players. Yeah. So, aside from uh, from Taller, obviously, Paul, who would who be the standout players for you from the 94 season? I think you said you were a fan of Gino as well. Yeah, Gino, um, Alan Byrne, and Gago, obviously. No, no one ever mentions Gago first in that season, though. Yeah, mm. and he got a ridiculous amount of goals. Those goals are all. We watch the video yeah. sometimes coming back from away games. Yeah, those goals are all still somewhere out there in VHS. Yeah. And he, mm. from the the boy boy got off him was that he was a fantastic finisher in around oh, the box. Yeah, he was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Robbie Kane, like that's yeah. the way I yeah. would say. Guy was like Robbie Kane, like. I might be getting my seasons mixed up in that because sometimes recall of games isn't mm. a strength of mine. But um, oh Mullen, Mullers, yeah. He he good. Yeah. Was he a left back? Was I'm not sure yeah. if it was that yeah. season. Yeah. But I always think he's he a fairly under, underrated player at times. Yeah, that season, he did good. Well, he, he he was in that team that season. He went when Oza went out, Mothers went in left side mm. midfield, and in the following season he played most of that season. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, maybe sometimes Terry Evans didn't get probably the credit. He, he you know Terry used to run himself into the ground like you know yeah. Terry would be running into corners and chasing balls and. 
getting knockdowns off, you know, and he was great. And just mopping it up. Yeah, but Gago used to. Gago was saying Gago to me the nearest thing I'd say if you ask me to compare a player like Gago, say Robbie Kane. Yeah. He wasn't lightning quick, but he had a cool head in the box. Once he got into the box, he's gone. But the day we won the title, 30th of March, flash floods. Torrential downpour, two hours prior to the scheduled meeting of Rovers and Shells, threatened to halt the fixture, the RDS from going ahead, but it did go ahead and Rovers beat Shelburne 2-1, and you were on the score sheet again from the penalty spot, top left corner. Probably was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, can you tell us your, your memories from that day? Can you remember the pitch Shouldn't was around? Shouldn't have played, Jesus. Shouldn't have been waterlogged. The pitch was waterlogged, yeah. Um, like you pass the ball, like and uh, you know, if, if if you think the ball had reached say twenty yards, it was only getting ten yards. It was just, just catching in the, just water. the water, like modern the rovers and UV puddles everywhere. Like it was mad. And ten yeah. goals that season as well. So for that type of return for a midfielder, it must have been probably would would you say it was your favorite season ever as a player? Yeah. Well, yeah, the great season uh, definitely it is my favorite season. Yeah. we won the league. Yeah, and the good season with you know, uh, one of the years we got the PFU, I think, but. But, but yeah. ten goals in a league. Yeah, it was great. I know it was great. Yeah, yeah. Brandon was the first player, first midfield Rovers player to score ten since you yeah. in nineteen ninety four. So it was you in ninety four, and then it was Brando in two thousand fifteen. So it's a, it is, a, it's not, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do, score goals yeah. from midfield. You know, Jack was just there last season, yeah, nine goals. Year, I took penalty, so he had to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Goal to goal. Yeah, still yeah, has to go still. in the onion sec. Um, but it all went wrong for Ray Tracy after that. We lost big players to Shelbourne. Uh, who who did we lose to Shells? Who went off? Gago, Alan Bourne. Yeah. But see, at the time, uh, Ali Bourne, Bourne, Ali Bourne the money, was didn't throwing money around like, to beat the band, you know. And uh, that's another, like, as, as great as Ray was as a manager, but he's stubborn as he was, but that he didn't speak to Gago early enough and to Alan Bourne, I think, early enough. And like they might have said that they might things might have been changed if you know, but you know, it is what it is, but uh, you know, even we lost Peter that year, Peter Eccles. Yeah. Fucking, we should never have lost him, you know. Where did Peter go again? We had Peter. He kinda of went to Bows and then he went to Crusaders. It was I don't know if there was it was some falling out. It was a falling out yeah. and I think he said he signed for Bows as a slight kind of fuck you, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I think he said it was the worst mistake he ever made, yeah. didn't he? Or was that Terry Palmer? Or was that Terry Palmer? Yeah, I, I, I would say that's Peter. I think Peter went up the north. Because your man, what's the man uh, that used to put the money into bowls and he put the money into Crusaders as well? Hmm. Uh, the Jody fella, fella was the Jody. Um, first professional League of Ireland player, who was he? Oh, God, I don't know. There you go, Paul. Paul should know. I know, I should, yeah. Uh, he's the director <laughs> up in bowls. Left winger played for Ireland. Did he name the Jody stand after him? Is that what you're saying? Well, no. he, he owned the Jody. Yeah. Oh, I know who you're on about. Uh, didn't he put. O'Connell. Um, yeah, he bankrolled them for years. Bankrolled them for years, didn't he? He was the first professional player in the world, but he owned it. Well, he was pumping money into Crusaders. Mm. So I think, oh, I don't know, yeah, at the same time as Bowes. So mm. I don't know if. I don't know if you have to ask Peter, that would be. But he ended up in Crusaders, but. He shouldn't have. Peter was great in the dressing room and great around the place and great player as well. He should never have went, you know. So you were named in the best League of Ireland eleven for that season mm. uh, and the following season, despite us not having a good year. So you're 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 recognised, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, well, probably well. But the following season, like 
had a bad start, but we were, we finished good. Like we did, like we were still a decent team. Like and I still remember that following season. Like if we had kept maybe two out of them four, we still would have had a chance because we played. I never forget the match we played. It was probably the best game, one of the best games we played. Because you can do these one games, one half games, but we played on dark in the RDS. I think we bet them two 0 and then about six or seven games left to go, and uh, they went down to win it. You know, yeah. so we were as good as them. Like at that idea, stage, you know, and it's just but that's the way football is, and you can have save some puts, but but uh, yeah. And since then, um, two league titles, ninety nine four season. Fondly remember, it was hard to believe we only won two since then. But you can tie in the whole lack of a home ground and and financial struggles into that mm. as well. Uh, did you keep up to date with Rovers in the time? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, no, we've been always watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're still friends and still and all loves them. Like you know, all the lads that were there. Like we be very good friends with Gino. Gino was there for a good while. You yeah. Keeping contact with him regularly and stuff. But uh, some bad memories yeah. as well from the '94 season with the Polish defeat. Oh yeah. Seven nil. That was. But you know what? Tell us about that team. Were they just? No, we were only back. Um, pre-season like in those days you'd probably be back the 2nd of July probably the I don't know what day that game was but I mean you'd be only back 3 weeks 4 weeks max not really many games under your belt but I think Ray decided to play a different system we've never tried before never done it just was, went into that just match into this just kind of 3-5-2 we were always 4-4-2 far, far and just and we never done it in training and it was kind of uh, half time, it was half time. It was kind of so we need to change this around a bit. But it was, oh, we were ill sure. prepared, yeah. to be honest with you. It was ill prepared, really badly, you know, especially coming away from home. You you know, you want to be on there with the closing down the shutters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tried something yeah. new, totally new. Yeah. Jeez, let me yeah. know that. The return leg was is still the record for the lowest home attendance for a Rovers game ever. Wow. We lost 1 0. I think it was like seven or eight hundred people. Mm. Let's skip that one. So then we had two seasons at Portadown, uh, same way Twiggy left. And uh, how did that come about? What way does. Because this is something that I always talk about the shows that I'm fascinated with is the inner workings of transfers and how the phone call yeah. comes about. Uh, there are a few stories. Hotel. No, yeah, no, the, that season, right? That's your time. Like, Dundalk won the league, okay? Then the following season, uh, Alan. Well, Alan and Terry took over towards the, end. the season after we won the league. Alan, Ray was sacked at Christmas or in around that time, and then Alan and Terry took over, and we finished the season fairly good. I don't know what point situation, but we were fairly good. We like we got them back a few mm. games to go, and they went on to win it. But the following season, then I think Half Terry, born, wasn't it? Half yeah, Alan and Terry were sacked after the first game, and that was a big kick in the to a lot of players you know because they had a bit of loyalty to them and they respected them highly you know and they just felt they, they were shafted that's yeah. you know um, so look at it was what it was and, and we signed I think we signed Nutsi we signed a few players that mm. you know Tony players, Cousins yeah. Tony Cousins was there I think it was that year he signed that year as well yeah. 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 he signed it wasn't he at the time he was, Beach yeah. Boy would have been there then as well Who? Mark Kenny Mark Kenny he just arrived in he, just yeah. arrived he might then. have just arrived in or maybe that was the following season he might have just arrived I think it was the following season what was your season. first impression of him now he'd be a friend of the show so you could take the piss out Mark he's a flash kid was he ah yeah his limp his limp is great you ever seen him around with limp <laughs> still limp still limp yeah ah, Mark's great he's still ball. pinging balls around yeah, Pierce Park ah, that that. Surprise. Mark's a great player smashing player but um, yeah th- that season then the five we, 
we played that season and Pat was in charge and a uh, bit of a disaster like I think we got into the bottom six or something and uh, there was you know um, just kind of a bit of touch and go with relegation and then there was a bit of a kind of scheme set up about a bonus game for players and stuff and all this kind of carry on came on so yeah so towards the end of the season players are ringing me taller what's the story because uh, I was captain at the time yeah Nutsy was uh, he was vice captain and uh, so the players were ringing me or ringing Pat and saying listen what's the story I, I was expecting a few Bob coming in because oh, no. once this bonus thing came in we went on we, no problem no relegation was out the window you know so we done okay and the fellas were saying it's a couple of hundred or whatever it was I don't know what it was we're Jill and I said look we go up and see Pat so we'd up to see and I did, just didn't materialise no, there, was, there was a phantom Money, I think. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was that. So that was pushed aside. So pre-season started the following year, and uh, that's when I, well, Pat was, Pat moved. I think to Shelbourne, and I was kind of shipped off to Party Down, and that was it. But there was a bit of success there in '99. You won the cup. Yeah. Was that as uh, was it as big as? It's the Bass Irish Cup. Yeah, it's the biggest yeah. down here. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a big deal there? Yeah. Well, it was. It's, I'll give you a funny story to that. We won a cup up there in 1999. We were actually playing a cup final. How? Now, here's one. Here's a trick question and a quiz. Okay. Right, we, we beat... We beat... Uh, um, Colrain in the semi-final. And in the other semi-final was Linfield and Cliftonville. Right. Right. And... Uh, Linf- Linfield won... No, wait, no... Cliftonville won the semi-final in 1999. Won the semi-final. Right. We did the extra time. But didn't... They won to beat them. But didn't Cliftonville bring on this young fella? Oh, say, no. Johnny Mack, who played for... Someone else in a previous Chimney round. Corner, Chimney Corner in some <laughs> intermediate thing that would have got you into the thing, right? Oh, no. So, there was big meetings up there in the FA to say, uh, okay... Uh, so Linfield, the, the thing was, Linfield had to put an appeal in within 48 hours after the match of if there was any going to be an appeal. But the day it was in 20 minutes after the game. It wasn't, they didn't know about it. No. So it was after the 48 hours. So what happened was uh, Cliftonville were thrown out of the cup Jesus. because they played a eligible player. And Linfield were thrown out because they, missed, they, didn't, the they missed, missed the deadline appeal. So we, we suits and all to go to the cup final. We, we heard this on a Wednesday before the Saturday cup final. We were up there training <laughs> on Tuesday. And we no suits. team to play. And we didn't know. We didn't know. And we'd go up there. It was Wednesday or the Thursday. Uh, we were up there and found there was meetings. Of course, there was all sorts of mayhem going on up there. You can picture it now. Yeah, yeah. And then we just told uh, uh, we won the cup. On the Thursday night, I think it was before the final or the Wednesday night before That's the final. That's how it went. That's how it went, and we you went didn't up. Even the, play the final. Didn't play the final, so we went up there then, departed the down to the Shamrock Park, and uh, did you party us? came to the ground, <laughs> and we just had to walk up until the thing and lift the cup. Oh that, my that's, god! Yeah. Talk about a deflated way of winning the cup. Ever yeah, heard of that like that? Mad, yeah. Does that count in your head as winning it? No, no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> not the medal at home. It's, it's 
three goals. So made a rubber. Did you celebrate? Did, did the players celebrate? Ah, we stayed up there overnight. And Any excuse? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah. This, this will be in the weekend mirror. up there. Actually, this will be in the mirror tomorrow. Can't believe that. Flashback piece yeah. by Paulo here. Okay, we might revisit that. Yeah. Do you know what? I'd love to know if there's any other instances like that all over the world. I'd say there's not many at all. Yeah, man, but you just lift the cup and don't play again. Probably only up the north between Cliftonville and Linfield that were in the semi finals. Was anybody else might have Yeah, I think so. To <laughs> Bit of a rivalry there. It's <laughs> quite silly. We'll talk about your management team, your management uh, career. Well, just the end of his playing career. Oh, you were at home farm and Dundalk, but you, I suppose your game time was a bit uh, limited there, was it? Yeah, well, to tell you, to be honest with you, no, I came back to Rovers again. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, and I, 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 part of the end was a disaster, that's been honest with you. I, I signed in 1997 and I think it was July or August whatever it was and the Gavaki Road thing just kicked off so that was like I didn't expect that if you didn't know what was going on there like it was you had to give that a, a wide berth so anyway I was stuck there so I was there but the team we had in part of down like you know we had Colin Tresson do you remember Colin Tresson? Yeah Roy Ford mm-hmm. Bray, 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 Billy Bray, Woods Billy Bray. Woods Martin Russell Finney Arkins, Gary Haylock, myself, like like there was like we really that's that's what attracted me to sign a part of down in the first place. Like they were a really, really good team. Tim Dalton was a goal. And Did you have a training regime? You train down in Dublin and travel up for games? Yeah, Same but way we used to have Tony O'Dell was saying to us yeah. that they tra- they train down here with someone and then they just go up for a game. I think that no, was Derry. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, manager was Ronnie McFall, but uh, no, they used to, we used to go up every Tuesday, they used to have one of these silly cups, like it was the, every week there was a silly cup. Right. You know, they, they, they built seven, six or seven different stupid cups <laughs> and they were playing on Tuesday night. So we used to go up and play in these cups. You'd be playing in Ballyfair Comrades, you'd be up to Arsenal, you'd be all over Northern Ireland playing these cups. County Antrim, all yeah. the glass shields. Yeah, that's <laughs> all those things, you know, all different names. Things. And, uh, then right the, enough, on the tours tonight, then he might bring you up. I'd have to be trained down there. I used to train with uh, McKeely and up in Home Farm, or else uh, you could be brought up there to train with them you know, on the pitch, you know. But, uh, but, the, but anyway, the first year, like, I was there. I signed in whatever it was, July when this thing kicked off. But I done my crucial ligament in in the end of September. So more or less goose that season, uh, yeah. more or less. And uh, then back the following season, we went on to win the cup. But I was never a hundred percent. Never really, you know, when you just had problems with me Achilles early, early doors, and then the end of that season, then I was I knew it wasn't right. But then Damien Richardson rang me, and I came back to Rovers. No, I didn't sign any contract. There was nothing. He just says, just come back and just see how you feel, how you get on, you know. And I used to, like, I was, I did a newborn baby. I think it was, a, it was a three or four year old with a newborn baby. I was only going out on my own the last two or three years at the mm. time. Two years, I think, was out on my own. And I was training Tuesday. We used to go to the gym. I'm living in Bonnet, right. the north side. And we used to go to the gym in Leperstown, like, just a gym session to yeah. go all the way to Leperstown on a Wednesday. Train the Thursday, and then there was. I'd be, see but the, the weekend I'd be involved with the beating but it was never really 100% right I was always trying to get anybody right you know yeah 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 but uh, Alan Bourne was there the only doctor was uh, he was with Shells and he was with the Irish yeah. team now you know he was involved he was sending me for acupuncture and was getting an electric healed in the ankles <laughs> with me Achilles that was the problem you know getting all sorts of stuff but uh, it never really materialised and then Damien asked me to uh, 
he said, look, I said to Lucas, I'm finished this, I'm ghost. You know, I think it was 33, I think at the time. I says, this is not working out for me. So he says, do you want to take over the, the Lancer Senior League team? And this, we used to train actually up in uh, Kiltipper. I didn't know this at all. I didn't know you came back. Yeah. yeah. So there's three, and what year was three, this? Been now? 2000. Yeah. Around 2000. And they were trying. They, they amalgamated with Talatown. Yeah, I remember this. And I went up to. Uh, so he says, Will you take over the Talatown? And literally, it was Talatown. I wasn't Shamrock Rovers. Mm. You know, it was it. We were Shamrock Rovers here. But anyway, that they was. They kind of merged, didn't they, in the 90s? They merged, yeah. 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 And uh, they used to meet in the bar in. Uh, Downies was there, was that in the top of Hearns. Hearns, yeah. And how long were you manager there? Oh, he's just seen out that season. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the big problem there was, uh, I got them relegated actually. <laughs> 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 no, well, they were la- they were bottom of the league anyway when I took over. And we, um, we asked, uh, got the chairman out of the fellow in charge there, will he ask, uh, can we play some B team players? At the time we the reserve league. Uh, Hoyland, remember Hoyland, the man fella around the FEI, or the FEI, he was one of the top boys in the, the league. Michael Hoyland. Michael Hoyland, yeah. yeah. And he says, yes, you can. So we were able to use about two or three players. Like, there were periphery players in the periphery with the Lancer Senior League team. So we done well, and we got them out of the relegation, and that was it. And uh, finished right for five. We got them up the table a bit, and they done okay. So next of all, the season's just ended, complaints went in from Lusk United, Bally Farm United and all these teams, Cherry Archer and everything. And uh, Can't be playing there, there was there was a big meet and a whole lot and they just relegated Rose. Oh, so you got relegated without being relegated? Yeah. And you won the cup without winning the well, cup? Well no, yeah, well that's yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's the uh, that's politics in, in yeah. the Lancer Senior League. There, kind of the career you had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about Dublin City. How did that come about? Um. So I was doing me badges at the time. Remember was it the Vikings? Was, is that wasn't it then? Yeah. Well, it was, it was actually home from Fingal. We went there. Of course, home from Fingal. It was a home from everything. It was home from Fingal. I think when I went there, Johnny Mac, Johnny McDonald, he asked me to go up. Because I met Johnny and doing the coaching courses, we've done a few of the yeah. things, you know. And uh, so we went up there and we, we done okay. We, we should have been, we were nearly from all, we should have been, went to one game against our last game of the season, our second last game of the season. Killian Brennan in that team? Ah, uh, no, I said us before that. Before time. that, was it? Yeah, and uh, but anyway, we didn't get promoted. And uh, next time, Nutsy takes over shells and he says to Johnny, will you come down? So Johnny went down to Shells for assistant manager and I took over. That was this that was the season. So that'd be the two thousand that was the season of uh I don't know the actual year of the moving from summer from winter football to summer football. So right. it was a short season, only oh, six two oh three. Yeah, something like that. that. It was only a, a six month season or something yeah, like that. The two cup finals in the one year, didn't it? Yeah, it was a short season. But it was a disaster. Written all over from the world goal. Like we we started off Training in DCU, the best of facilities, lovely big flat pitches, gorgeous. Playing in Talga Park, great. Then after two months, um, we're back in my home farm. You get back in my home because a bit of a falling out there. Back in my home farm, we're gonna play in White Hall now. We're gonna train behind the goal. We can't afford that anymore. We're gonna train behind the behind the goal in White Hall. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like it's, it's it's not even a five side. You know, yeah. it's, that's all it is. It's tiny. So then he fell out with home farm. And then we were up in Sanctuary Stadium, which is Mordor. Mar. So the tour, <laughs> and then we we went from Sanctuary Stadium to train the AOL and the tour of a pitch, not even a full pitch, a tour of a pitch. 
So we three different, three different training places, three different grounds, and it was just, it was just fighting all the time, you know. So that that was me finished with that. And that was the end of it. Well, I thought I was finished. Mm-hmm. I took the pads down for a little while with Johnny Mac, but mm-hmm. to be honest with you, and I said this, I spoke to even John Gale. And it's this has gone back about back a while. It's about League of Ireland. Like, says you have to be a hundred, hundred percent committed. Yeah. But there's no security there in League of Ireland. You know, there's no security for our managers and players. You know, you could it's be. A risk, isn't it? There's no long-term contract. You're in for a week. So. What sort of yeah. manager were you? Like, were you a ranter? Were you? I know. Were you hard on? Were you fair? Were you? I say, so I'd say be part, probably. A good cop or a bad cop? Probably. Well, no, we both. I couldn't say it was either. Like, I, I, the player needs a fucking rollicking. You get yeah, the right, yeah, you know, yeah. rollicking. You know what I mean? Like the younger lads now, you try and put the arm around, you try and keep them happy. You know, some of the older fellas, you know, if they're taking the piss or not, if someone's taking the piss, you have to hammer them. Yeah. And there you get everything, you know. Mm. So we'll move on from your management career and we'll talk about the best and worst moment of football now. This is putting you on the spot slightly, but your best moment of football. Well, win the league, we're over. Yeah, yeah, that's like, it doesn't get any better. Where can you go with that? You know, unless you win the second one and the third one and the fourth one, but that's, I'm not lucky enough to do that, but that has been, that season, that whole season was just a. Scoring you know, double figures, yeah, getting yeah, the winning medal. Yeah, yeah. That was brilliant, that was a great year. The Rowers fans still. Talk to you about that season in particular. Is that the one they kind of go to? Well, it's probably one because we won the league. Yeah, well, you know, but it's, it was just a magic season, really magic season, really was. Yeah. Give us your worst moment. I tell you, I got sent off up in Dalemont. Yeah. Against Bowes in the trilogy. Remember that at the cup? I don't know if you remember it young enough. Probably half your listeners wouldn't remember it. First round of the cup, wasn't it? Three games. It was three games. Yeah. Three we, games. We drew. We drew in Dalemont. And then we got into the RDS and we drew on that. And I don't know if you remember this, Gago with a Stonewall penalty. Should have been, should have, you know, should have been a penalty he was taken down. We probably best. Mm. And the referee didn't give it. The draw back to Dalymount. And uh, and I remember oh, they said that, I remember reading something in the papers, there was something like 10,000 at the game. Mm. Up and there, that's when they opened up and it was all yeah. opened up. Tonic Street, Tony, the whole lot. Huh? Tony, Tony score. Who? Tony Cousins. No, he wasn't there then. No, for. No, he wasn't there. It was Gagos. This was the 93 94 season. Okay, and, uh, but anyway, it was a huge crowd at the game. And I remember I got booked after about eight seconds. Like, But it was just, to me, it wasn't a bad tackle. Of course, tackle. It wasn't a Show bad tackle. It was just the referee trying to put a stamp in the game. You know, it was just, God, i just Oliver Cooney. And he was a real pose. He was the only referee I knew that wore a tan, had a tan. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he took me after. See, obviously, he just wanted to put a stamp in the game. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But then. Uh, I remember there was a ball played up into a corner up at the school end. you know where the ball was apart was all sing now up in yeah. that corner there and, was, and the was, there was a chase with the ball and a man Ken Demands a fellow called Ken Demands played a bit of play for balls. remember Ken Demands no, 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 he played that. for Liverpool back in the day and he came back to League of Ireland and stuff and he used to have a ponytail he was a real dickhead looking <laughs> but uh, chase up, the, up, up for the ball and he was behind me but he was pulling me jersey and if someone is tugging you if you were in the race and someone's tugging you from behind your natural reaction is just to swing at them you know yeah. but of course I swung at him and of course he went down like a ton of bricks fucking red card you know and that was horrible because walk know, of shame all the way down the other way like to walk well. down from that corner flag you know, from the shed end all the oh, way down. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind me missus catching my wife was up in the stand with me dad. 
And of course, I was getting lashed out by the boss of Hartus, mm. lashed out, you know. And she was kind of getting real touchy, but that was a hard, that was, and That's we lost the match, I think, 1 0. That, you know, kind of blame myself for that, really. Uh, best player you've played with and best player you've played against. Now, when I was trying to talk about this earlier, it's it can be one performance against you, it can be a season. It's a it's a tough one to gauge at times, like because yeah. I think Bob Paddy Mulligan, who did he say, Eusebio Pelle, <laughs> he was rattling them all off. It can be a ten minute cameo against a player, or it can be a full season. It can be anyone who you just thought well. That's, brilliant against me. That's it. Yeah. So with and against. Well, it's like the best player I played with for the season, like prolonged was 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 Alan Bourne. I'd say yeah. the great understanding of each other. That's you know we do really good understanding. Me. We used to die for each other, and, you know. But you know, best player I've ever seen, like in League of Ireland, Pat Bourne would be probably that. Yeah. You know, now Felix Healy was something similar to me. He was a smashing player, played yeah. for Derry. Yeah, he was a brilliant player. Um, Cheryl Tony Sheridan was a great player with Chelsea. He was a really smashing player. But I'd say Pat Bourne, like when I seen him full season when I was such a, when I was involved with the squad and the last year in the town, you seen him what he could do. He was a smashing player, Pat. Um, and what's the other? What, what was the? Yeah, it was the best in the worst, I think. Well, that's, that's in League of Ireland. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know if this was okay. You just can, just can there's, there's, there's two stories I can give you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this fellow, one of the one of the players that came from Maliki's with us, right? He was from Eden Mar. He's a mad, mad he was, but he was, he was a character. There's two, there's two stories with him, and then there's the real, the, the funniest moment after that. If you want to hear them, yeah, of course, you do, yeah. But we were playing in Milltown. It was, uh, it was one of those League Cup or Lancer Senior Cup games. You know, the start of the season, right? And uh, I think there were two, you'd probably go into history for this. I think they were two nil down against. It could have been Waterford or it could have been Limerick, but I'm not hundred percent sure. But anyway, uh, this fellow was playing out in the wing, right? His name is Mick uh, Mick O'Hare, and uh, and he and he was a flyer. Was like if you watch the old Celtic games, Jimmy Johnson. Remember Jimmy Johnson? He was a f- like a little red fella and a winger, f- quick as light, you know. But he was, he was dense. <coughs> but uh, Keely brought him on and says, Now listen, I want you to stand here. The dugouts used to be up and on the, you know, up in the, the stand side. And he'd say, Stand up here, up, you know, stand up in the sideline and get the ball out you. So Mikael's standing on Keely would say, Roaring, get up, get out, stay on the line, stay in the fucking line, Mikael, stay in the line. And he'd be roaring a pat and whoever else would get the ball out to Mikael. The ball came out to Mikael, Mikael went up the line. Skin and he skin played. Why he didn't make it? That he was just because he was probably a bit mad. But they turned the game three two. They won the game Roberts. Mickey made two, and I think he might have scored one. You'd have to go back into the archives, but right. he was brilliant. But during that spell, right when the when they scored a goal, Roberts scored a goal, right the tip off. And where was Mickey standing? Where Keely told him to stand up on the sideline, up fucking up beside, you know, between the halfway line and the corner flag. <laughs> he's standing there, Mika's bouncing on the spot, and Keely's running up the line. But Mika, get in your own half, it's tip off, and he's looking at him, he's waving at well, yeah. <laughs> But he was mad. But the same fella now, I don't know if you can say this, you can edit some of this, can you? Yeah, yeah, if you want to text us tomorrow, yeah. you know. 
he, he got a semi. Right. In the showers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. In the showers, right? He's mad. For a car. This is in the showers, and the kind of lads, like, this was the first time now. So there was all the boys were there, you know. Yeah, yeah. In the showers, and he gets this semi. And uh, and he's going, look at this horror. And he kept on doing this, you know, we're going, Chase, what's, what's fucking wrong with him? So, of course, Harry H pisses on his leg. Standing right. in the showers and he's pissing on his leg. <laughs> so he runs out with the showers with this fucking thing in his hand, this hand. And he's running it there, and he's after pissing on me, he's after pissing on me. I'm not worrying about his fucking, but that's... Full on, he was mad. Running around. Yeah. Hey, what did the manager say to that? that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't think uh, anything can train you yeah, to do Yeah, he was mad, but, uh, and the poor chap now, he's dead now. He went to England, and he got into the weightlifting, I don't know what happened, but he ended up passing away in the end, but he was, he was some character. But if you want to hear the funniest story... Go on. Uh, well I think it's very funny you'd have to probably say it to find it funny but we went to America uh, the, the year after we won the league and uh, we went to a place called Dublin in Ohio it's, mm. it's called after Dublin you know? and there was an Irish festival on you know and there's all these like big parks say Harbour Park all these big parks lovely parks and big white marquees everywhere and the Irish festival Irish music Irish dancing all that kind of thing but Terry Everston um he got on to his cousins and says, I'm coming over to Dublin, Ohio. If you want to? And they said, oh, we'd love to come down, you know. So we were all in at this festival thing, you know, and we were all walking around and meeting. We're Irish. And, you know, Celebrities, I'd say. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Just because we're Irish, yeah, we're probably exactly. selecting. So next of all, this bus comes down. We had a busload of all these, like, it was like the Fockers or the Griswolds. <laughs> These, you know, the, if you describe the typical American person, they've got cream trousers, you know, the baggy the cords, trousers. Yeah. The cords, well, yeah. not even yeah. chinos, the green yeah. baggy chinos with runners and a baseball hat and a check short, you know, they're like from the southwest of Yeah. But anyway, and they all, and glasses, but they all look kind of dressed the same, they all look the same, and you know, so there's about 16 of these, like, it was all his cousins, and, he, <laughs> and Terry was going, he hadn't met half of them, and I hadn't, didn't even meet half of them ever before, but he met one or two before. <laughs> And we're kind of looking at him, taking the piss out of him. <laughs> so anyway, that was that to me. The few drinks, whatever it was that night. But we were playing a match. I'm telling the next day, next week, whatever we were playing a match. So the Fockers are the, the Evisons that came from <laughs> Illinois, wherever they came from. They came to the game. Right, so Terry was on the bench with Sub. And they like we played one of these kind of pitches. In America, like, it was a college pitch. Was it NFL Americans on it? Could the American football Americans in the way? But I know they used to give a talk and commentary as the game was going on. Like they'd say, and you know, I'm tall on the ball. Right. <laughs> and he gives the ball to, to, to Brazil. You know, they give the ball. But anyway, so these uh, Evisons, the gang them, like it's about 16 or 15 or 16, and uh, Terry was warming up the, down the sideline. And they were singing, We want Terry. We want Terry. <laughs> no. So, of course, the game was. More than boy, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, Ray Tracy brings on Terry, and he roars over, over "Get the ball out to Terry! Get the ball out to Terry! <laughs> pass it around!" So we're saying, "Get the ball! Get it out to Terry!" So Terry was playing <laughs> the wing. So we were saying, "This we should just taking the piss in the pit. Get the fuckers!" They weren't great. The, the American team we were playing against the college team, and uh, but anyway, when Terry got on the ball. He'd run up the wing, you know, he'd jinky up the wing. If you ever watched him play, he's going to, you know, he'd a good left peg, but he'd jinky up the wing and he'd go. But they used to run up the line with him. 
And the side of the pitch. And there's a good 16 of them. And they follow them. And if he'd run back, they'd all run back for him. And it was like, they were like linesmen behind the fence. And they were running up and down the line. And we fucking tired. Oh, I've seen that before, actually. It's like you'd see in a comedy or something. Couldn't make it up. Yeah, it goes to John Dorney. Uh, uh, so we John Dorney asked, does John remember the Leicester Senior Cup quarter final? He thinks against Pats and Richmond Park 97. He scored a penalty into the shed end. Half Rovers, half Pats fans. Rovers won 3-0, but the game was remarkably violent off the pitch. Last time the two sets of fans ever shared the shed, as far as I know. So a great night for Rovers fans, though. Do you remember this one? I can't really, to be honest with you. Apparently it was intense in the shed. Yeah. And like we spoke about just beforehand, the shed is now gone. Pats removed the shed. Finished. Yeah, it's oh. gone, it's gone. Done, dusted, dumped. Yeah. So I don't know what the reason was for it. But yeah. uh, it's officially open air now, so it's gonna be like Dundalk's away end. Right. So, um, which I wouldn't be a fan of because there's not much of an atmosphere there. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of yeah. tough to create an atmosphere when it's open air and you're in the elements. Yeah. Well, keeping Rovers and Pats fans in the same little area wasn't a good idea. Not a great idea, <laughs> to be honest. Now, no? so staying in 1997, do you remember the Valentine's Day massacre? So this was a six-four win over Shelburne. Hat tricks by Tony Cousins and Pat Morley oh, yeah, for Shells. Yeah. So Justin Mason sent us a clip on YouTube actually. Uh, of your goal so four minutes yeah, seven you, seconds you start the move with a driving run you lay it off to Tracy he flicks it up really really high to find Cuzzo in the box he nods it back to you and you kind of lob it past the keeper it's, it's a great move yeah, goal. Do, do you remember yeah, it yeah? I do yeah, yeah I remember well it's probably one of the best goals I scored as in you know I wouldn't be a kind of a runner and dribbler and all that but that not, not that I ran but it was a kind of a, a run from say the halfway line and I was kind of a pass and run and Getting on the end of it in the end and just oh, was a super it finish, yeah. yeah. Six four as well, not exactly your average scoreline. No, so. no, yeah. And um, you kill, you still keep an eye on the hoops? Oh yeah, go yeah. a few games a year. Yeah, a games a year, yeah. And we already asked you. We think we win the league this year. Are we gonna do it or what? I think you will. Yeah. I think this could be the year. Yeah. Well, as I said, you the sport. I think I think that you know, like as I said about Cork City there a few years ago, what happened then? What it did for them. You know, they they were chasing the dog for a few years, and then they won the cup. Then the following year, they won the double. You know, hopefully that's going to happen again. And I think, I think, like I'd say, the expectation within the Rovers restaurant room at this moment of time is they have to win the league. Like I say, the players have, have pressurised themselves. They would have to build themselves up, pressurise themselves mm. to say, "This is we have to win the league." A little bit of a taste what I, what as well. I, what I thought was interesting from again, just we were talking earlier on about Stephen Bradley's press conference yesterday was. He never once mentions that. He never once says anything about winning leagues. Like we were asked, yeah. we, I think we asked him yeah. this year to win the league, and it's all his message. And I'm yeah. sure it's very different in a dressing room. He says something else, but his public message yeah. is: "We just want to improve on what we did last year." Yeah, your club on mention the league, even though they're miles away, but yeah. they're gonna win the league. But you have to kind of have that. I'd say they're well versed in the dressing room at this yeah, stage. He's saying, to. "Listen, we know what we need to do. I'll deal with the press." Don't worry about that. Mm. I'd say they're totally alienated from the yeah, press. Yeah, but they might break it down to like, let's win one game at a time. They're going to keep this Break one game at a time, but like our expectation, you'd set goals at the start mm. of the year, I'm sure they have to. At the start mm. of the year, their goal will be, to, like, to come second will be, you know, be very average. They need, you know, to push on, they need to, I think. Because mm. any sort of ambitious <laughs> statement, we've seen how it gets jumped on. So, like, for example, last season, the whole team was that Rovers supposedly blew a 13-point lead even though Dundalk had games in hand. And Johnny Ward said that, you know, it's over. Rovers have won the title. 
And yeah, then Dark fans kept the second he said that I just throwing that quote slammed the the, back, the, the fist down. Us. I was like, damn you, Johnny. They kept throwing that quote back <laughs> at us as if we had said it. So could you imagine if Brazier came out and said we are going to win the league? Like, I know, yeah. I, I, you can't come out and say that. No, but you won't be able to say that. Why can't he say that? Why, Bradley can't say that. You can't say we are no, going to. I don't think a manager can say that. You can say no. we want a challenge. I think you. All right, so, okay, yeah. the words can and yeah. will. Yeah, you yeah. can't come out and say we will win it. Yeah, no, it's insane. Yeah, but to come out and say. We can. Arab, like, I, I wouldn't. I, I was quite surprised that Bradley yesterday didn't say our objective is to win the league this yeah. year. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think he I'm sure he, I, I'm sure he absolutely well I'm sure he means it and that's what they want to do that's what we're talking about but um, I wouldn't see any issue with him coming out or any Rovers player coming out and saying we, yeah, well, we want to win the big difference between can and will yeah, isn't yeah, there yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah so a new sponsor we, we spoke about earlier with Paul JD and a uh, big one in fairness now it's quite a big big sponsor and just a big, sh- big thanks to all the other League of Ireland fans who will possibly buy new purchases and soils and I need this just for the contribution to SRFC in the future, considering that they're part of the umbrella group there as well. So a big thanks to all the other fans who will contribute towards our financial gain. Just a little dig there. <laughs> That's one thing that we noticed. It's like the own size as well. So any of those new releases that all the casual types like, we'll be getting a little contribution from them. So thanks to all the other fans. Well, a lot of Rowers fans picked up the jersey without the sponsor. It's neat and enough, isn't it? But having seen it on the shirt, like, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's small. So it's not like it's taken away from the hoops. So it looks nice. Although someone pointed out the purple shirt, they reckon the black and white should be the other way around. It would look better. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. But listen, it is, it's, a, it's a lucrative deal. It's great for the club. And um, I think it's only, only good things going to come from it. You said previously sponsored Crystal Palace, Brighton, Dortmund. But never an Irish club, so I'm not a force mm-hmm. for hours. And... Uh, Speaking of sponsorship announcements, I have something from the 95-96 season. And I have a picture of John Toll and Sean Francis wearing traditional Scottish kilts oh. <laughs> at the unveiling of tenants. I don't believe that. Of Rovers. So this is going to be the picture. Yep. So do, there's John Toll. That's me now. There's John Toll in a no, kilt. That's that's that make me really glad. <laughs> Can you, uh, well, I'd say you are forced one to put your hand up and wear the kilt, are you? Oh, yeah. Sean Francis looks like James McLean. Isn't right, isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> nice. So, what did they say the to you when you said, and that was, did you go that. full Scottish with it? Oh, yeah, the full Scottish, no one did it. No, that's how to unveil the sponsorship, bro. Hell's Lager. That should have happened to Taddy yesterday. So, we're just about at the end now, and um, we're going to get. Some predictions and starting 11s is what we always do. So, um, will we bother with Dundalk or will we just go straight into balls? Yeah, I suppose balls. Because, I mean, Dundalk will be just experimentally. You never know what type of team he's going to play. So, we're going to go with uh, our starting 11s and predictions. So, Paul, I'm going to go with you first. Give us your prediction for starting 11 versus balls. Now, considering that, let's say there's no injuries. Bearing in mind, I haven't seen any of your preseason or any of pre-season games well, neither have we so um, <laughs> bar one what it look like if that whole system can be so fluid at times I know. It's, you know three at the back and yeah. five in the middle and boxes and Some, you know. sometimes I don't even think it's three at the back at times and then it just morphs into something else well maybe like, what I'm interested to see is Liam Scales right yeah league race is, is, has stayed yeah and then Pico Lopez at one stage might have been seen as being sort of vulnerable 
in, in that role. 100% that he plays. believe, yeah. Grieves you totally. But then I thought he had a cracking season. Best season year. of his life. I thought he was brilliant. So where does Liam Scales fit into all of this? Oh, he does. Hmm. I, I don't think he does. He does no, for me. And I'm quali- I qualify this by, again, saying I haven't seen any Rovers preseason yeah. games, so I'm not entirely on top of who's been played where and what positions uh, in preseason. I imagine Grace and Nobez are for a choice, and Scales is cover. Scales mm. is cover, yeah. I'm going, uh, I'll, I'll go first, right? And I'll say that we're going to play three at the back, right? So we're going to go Manus, it's going to be Pico, Joey, and Grace, I think. It's going to be Ferrugia, left wing back. Um, Reese Mar- Reese Marshall right right wing back. Um, centre mids is going to be a tough one. But if, if Marshall plays there, then where does Ronan Finn play? Ronan Finn is going to play in the middle, I think. I think Watts won't start. Jack will start if he's done if he's not injured. So Jack McAniff and um, Finn, and then you got Greener up top. Am I, am I, am I missing one? You've left out Gary O'Neill. I've left out Gary O'Neill. Have I missed out? Greg Bolger. Greg Bolger. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what you're talking about. It's tough. Like Gary Gary sort of finished that. Gary had a good, mm-hmm. good spell, didn't he? After brilliant. Mm-hmm. Ever since he, he came in, he was that excellent. Really strongly. It's such a hard team to pick, and a great. And once again, like I mean, we Greener is a shoe in at this stage, unless we sign somebody else. So you're gonna have Jack in the hole. You're gonna have your five in the middle. It's tough. It's a headache, isn't it? Graham Burke. Graham Burke there, I think I think I only named ten. So <laughs> Graham Burke would somehow get into that and get into the cloud as they call it, or the box or the square. It's so I think I think when you look at a say a Dundalk team, you can nearly rattle off the team yeah. pretty quickly in your head. I don't know, even though I sort of said maybe they might win they might still pip Rovers to the title. The competition in the Rover squad is just fierce. Like we're you know we're leaving players, we're, leave, we're leaving players, we're leaving Graham Burke. Yeah. <laughs> Gary O'Neill. I mean, what do you do? Um, we are a little bit light. I think we have twenty three players. I think that's light as a squad. We're gonna have to sign somebody. It's gonna be have to be somebody unattached. I think at this stage, unless there's a certain amount of paperwork done, or we can can we get a loan player in? I'm not too sure. But we, I think we have two weeks to sign where we could sign. A player on loan from the UK, is yeah, that correct? No, it's, yeah. It has to happen because we are short, and it's not just because we're not short. Ha- uh, I think we're short up top, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We've only got green. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, we've yeah, yeah. Dean Williams, who will probably spearhead the B team. If not, that's your backup for the first team. But Alua is totally raw, good prospect, but he will have to cut his teeth in the B team as well. Other than that, there's no strikers. Some Robert's fans. Borgy, maybe, up to the top. Some right. Robert's fans obviously concerned that Bradley has been. Looking for a striker for two seasons now, mm. and here we are, eleven days from the new season, and we're playing. Uh, what was it? What was his name again? Johnny Foxbottom. Long, long bottom or something in the trial. Like so, people are worried about this. But then again, how easy is it to find a twenty goal a season striker? Very very tough. It's something that's been. I mean, we haven't replaced Twig, but then again, you look at Dundalk's turnover of goal scorers that they've had in the last five years. It's insane. They've had McMillan twice, who scored goal for them. They've had Tell, they've had Holman, I think, twice at two different spells. They've just had a turnover of scores and goal and Duffy now. We we just haven't replaced. Well, Green had 15 last season. I mean, that's that's a good return, but we just haven't had that relentless goal scorer since Twig. I think Aaron, sometimes Aaron Green might get bashed over the head a bit, maybe about goal return. That, yeah. that was that was a respectable enough Yeah, goal and if he took penalties, he did 20. His work, his work off the ball. Well, he seemed lower last year, he probably could have had double down figures. Oh, but the misses. Like, yeah. You know, if he scored 15 last year, I'd say, you know, he probably scored, he could have 
definitely another like you know if you do another attempt have it that easily yeah it's one or two you know reasonable enough chance of the game you know he, he converts he, more in the tight you know, games but his confidence could be yeah. could be good this year you know because he had a great season last year and you know his confidence might not be on the high he could kick on exactly you know, is, it, is it too simple to say that the difference between Rovers and Dundalk and winning the title is a prolific score like I know well, and that's not knocking Aaron because it was a reasonable return last year but is it too simplistic to say that's the only Difference. No, no, that's it's uh, that's not really unfair as well because we we could call a spade a spade and say Aaron's not a prolific goal scorer. He is fantastic in the team. He he does a great job, but he did miss too many chances last year. That's how that's that's the truth. Mm. That is the truth. He missed a lot of blatant chances at the start of the season as well. I think what we want is someone challenging him. Yeah, for someone, them. For and we brought Cummins in to do spot. that, and it didn't work out. Mm. But we definitely, definitely do need. At the same time, I'm scared of somebody else trying to play his role and doing it badly. Yeah, I know, yeah, because he plays it to a T. And then if we do bring a different striker in, do we change our style of play? Hypothetically, if you could take one striker from another League of Ireland team right now for Rovers, who would it be? We had this discussion mm. in the last show, and we we went with realistic targets anywhere, and it's like Anthony Stokes came up, Doyle came up, but if we're going to talk from within the league... I, I mean, Hoban wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great gone. last year. Um, I, like I, we'll put it this way, Hoban or Green, right now? I, oh, that's a tough question. I'd probably say Hoban. Depends if you can do the Green role. Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Oh, geez, I, better, I, better, I better get this right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very tough question. What about you? What you, you be Hoban or Green? Open or green? Very good question. Let's say yeah. two inform, two inform players. Like I mean, an inform Holman is better than so an inform Green. Do you think possibly in terms of goal return? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms oh. of all round work, possibly Aaron. Yeah. I, 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 to be. Yeah, I really like. Um, he doesn't get much of a look in because of of Holman, but I actually think I really like to look at Georgie Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he seems he's, to have the stats. He's a big ox of a man now, yeah. like, and he's. It's a different type of way you'd have to play, but. He's uh, in terms of a goal scorer, I quite like him. Maybe just get Hoban into mm. back green up. How about that? Let's break the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Dermo's few quid. But uh, yeah, I think so. That's it. I think um, that is it for this week, this month. And we want to yeah. thank the lads. So, Paul, yeah. thanks very much for coming in. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, Paul thanks thanks very much for regaling us with your stories. And yeah. Rough. Really enjoyed that one, yeah. Uh, we actually have one more question. It comes from Jerry Desmond for uh, John. Question is, was it even a corner? No.
Be 